hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. You've never seen anything like this on Spike TV. The quantity of speech is not always indicative of the quality of thought. I'm Captain Charisma, you silly bastard. You've been painting in an unventilated room. Maybe you need to go back to rehab. Oh, oh, oh come on. Now, that wasn't necessary. This is BS. This sucks. I've lost my objectivity. Welcome everybody to You've Got to Be Kidding Me, episode number 43. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. On this episode, we are talking about the month that is December 2005, leading up to Turning Point 2005. I'm Garrett Kidney, and I am joined by Liam Jones. The one and only. I think there's a lot of Liam Jones. No, I'm the only one. There's one, there's an AFL player who was one. You literally just undercut your I'm the only one instantly. That's the only other one I've ever heard of. There's probably not a lot of Garrett Kidneys. I know there are others because I've I've sought them out on Twitter and then followed them and then he followed me back for a while and then he unfollowed me. So it's like, fuck you other Garrett Kidney. Well, he was like, what the fuck is this shit he's talking about? (laughs) Yeah, God, this guy shares my name? Fuck. (laughs) He's actually just a really big WWE stan. That's where it came from. Don't you say mean things about Seth Rollins? Yeah, Seth Rollins, eh? Seth Rollins, because he's on Raw. Can't wait for CM Punk to beat him. Does he do Monday Night Rollins bits? He should if he doesn't. He used to. Okay. That means he's a hack. He gave up on it. Hmm. Because now he's a very serious world champion. Well, serious, not really, but I guess he is world champion, even though it's a fake belt they made for him because Roman has to hold that belt for 14 years. To be fair, they're all fake belts made for people. That's true, but this one especially so. I don't mind it. I like a world champ on both brands. Yeah. But every time people book themselves into that corner, because everyone's like, unification match is a great idea. It's a big hook for this event. And then they do it and they're like, fuck, that's a terrible idea for everything after this event. <laughs> Unless you're like, not going to do brand splits anymore. Then it's fine. Even then, it's like... You still need people to fill these shows. And when you have someone monopolizing the world title for as long as Reigns has, you create bottlenecks where there's guys who should win that belt who can't because Reigns, for some reason, needs to hold it forever. And then you get instances like Cody and Sammy and even Uso where it's like, eh, they probably should have won, but this guy still needs to be bad champ for some reason. I would say they could win the Intercontinental title, but... uh They also have a bottleneck there, yes! And so they have one mid-card belt that can be moved around. Yeah, it's currently on Rey Mysterio. <laughs> it makes sense. Well, I guess, like, a lot of the guys that, like, we say that about are all on Raw, so... And that's the SmackDown belt. Mm. But it'll be a little much if SmackDown had Walter and Reigns, <laughs> both as, like, dominant champions that can't lose. Yeah, which it did for a while. Yeah. 
Well, because at that point, Raw needed a singles title, <laughs> so US title. And that was in the early stages of Walter's reign, to be fair, but now we are firmly in the, oh, that you have known to beat him. Do you think that's the plan? That Walter beats Reigns? Yeah. I don't think so. They like, or at least to do a match against the two with, like, the big unbeaten streaks going against each other. Well, then Walter should definitely win. Big Sumo Slam match. This is the problem with long reigns. When it becomes the point that they're clearly still champion because you now just have no one there to beat them. Hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of the case with Walter. Well, I, I don't know if that's true. I think it's it's easy to build someone up. You just gotta do it and commit to it. Yeah, Big Dom Mysterio, it's his time! He's the North American champion, thank you. Well, that's how they did it. They filled the void with all the NXT belts. <laughs> Which is funny because like, people gave AEW a lot of shit for the ROH stuff. <laughs> They're all just ignoring the NXT belts being on every like major show now too hey those belts are very prestigious uh, okay they are mostly held by main roster people now but still not mostly two of them are but let's talk about how Ilya is the weirdest nxt guy to ever exist he does feel like a guy who should just not like even if he went to wwe he should feel like a guy who should not succeed there based on everything mm. they like i like I, you know I assume you do too, but, like, I love Ilya, and I have not watched a single match since the, like, Walter NXT match, and I'm very curious to see what he's like. Because, like, every time you look at Cage match, you see whatever Ilya's match has had, he's, like, four and a half stars. Yeah, because he's a very good pro wrestler. I've been wondering if, like, because you know how there's, like, all the scuttlebutt about the NXT Europe relaunch and it being a bigger deal, like... Mm -hmm not real i mean probably but i'm just speaking in like theoretical senses here because mm-hmm. like there was the thing where i was like they might try and sign osprey for that brand just with the with, with the selling point of you can live in the uk still um but like i was wondering if like that is a serious sort of like discussion point that they want to do and maybe like this is a way of building Ilya's cachet up for when they give it a shot. I think they do just realize how good Ilya is. Mm. Which is on The idea them. of like Shawn Michaels being like a big Ilya fan is so weird. Yeah, he's strapped up Ilya. What is his shtick? Is he like Russian still? I That requires me to watch NXT, which we will be doing next week. I was going to transition it to that later. But yeah, sure, go ahead now. Sell yeah, this is the reason we've done five minutes on WWE to open the show, because we will be doing a little uh, Tuesday War Games, not Wednesday War Games. One night be, only, Tuesday we, War Games. We will be reviving uh, the, the Wednesday War Games format for WWE's NXT and AEW's AEW Dynamite going head-to-head next Tuesday with two very stacked cards, one more stacked than the other, frankly, going to war. One has bigger stars on it, and the other one has good matches. Yeah, TK's got to break out Goldberg. He might. <laughs> well, like, uh, I mean, like, I don't know, like, if there is a debut, it's probably like Monet, right? Like, she comes out, walks out, doesn't do anything physical. Bum, 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 money. Money. Yes, that'll be in your Patreon feed next week. We'll bring that back for, for one week only, because it's, it's, hey, it's a proper war. I like that it's a proper kind of war. Day. That they're, like, properly going head-to-head, NXT mm. pettily throwing literally fucking everything they can <laughs> trying to pop that rating. That's great. Do more of that shit. John Cena. The Undertaker. <laughs> it's it's wild. Who do you, like, okay, who, who are the spooky characters on NXT now? <laughs> Who's the Undertaker gonna joke around with? Joe Gacy still there? Does he do things? Does The Rock's daughter still do the spooks? I think they broke up Schism. Oh, at the wrong time. Yeah, I know, right? He's just gonna go face-to-face with Ilya. That'd be sick. (laughs) Ilya should take him out. Set up an Undertaker-Ilya match. Isn't, like, nothing announced for Ilya on that show, which feels weird? Because they're bringing back 700 old people. (laughs) But, like, like, because the main event... (laughs) 
Uh, give me a second. Is Carmelo Hayes and Bron Breaker again? But but those are like the like last two champions. Why don't you have the current one involved in something? Okay, so if Cena's in the corner of Carmelo and Heyman is in the corner of Bron, yeah, who's going to be in the corner of Ilya when he walks out? Seth Rollins. Have you seen Ilya's new coat? No. Oh, let me let me let me find a picture of Ilya's coat. It's very freaking. No, that means I have to hate Ilya Dragunov now. Do you think if I search coat, it'll come up? Ilya Dragunov coat? Yeah. Maybe. Sure, that's the best I want. <laughs> I have sent it to you on air. <laughs> that's a great photo of the coat. <laughs> I can really tell what the coat looks like here. <laughs> but you can tell the essence of it. Mm, it is very foofy. Yeah, I should have done the three-way with them. Mm. Three-way dance. But yes, that, that new Tuesday War Games will be in your Patreon feed next week. Uh, enough on WWE. Anything else going on with you? I watched The Creator. I'll be seeing that tonight. It's some. I'm surprised that it only has like a 3.4 on Letterboxd. Mm. I think it's better than that. People are wrong. If I was allowed to be granular, I'd say it's a 4.25. Ooh. But um, it's just good old sci-fi. I wonder if people hate it because the Americans are the bad guy. <laughs> and the <laughs> Americans are like, no, it can't be us. We would never abuse AI for our own purposes and then destroy the world. It's also super, like, real-life American atrocities coded. Mm. <laughs> it's like, hey, look at this. It's a lot like 9-11. Hey, <laughs> look at this. It's a lot like how they bomb Middle Eastern countries <laughs> all the time. Mm. So, like, there's a lot of that going on. And Americans recoil at seeing the reflection of themselves back to them. I mean, I'm I'm guessing... But, you know, it's it's good. There's some iffy acting in there, but I can forgive it because I liked the world so much. And the story's just some simple bullshit sci-fi, you know? And, like, wild sci-fi, a little bit of iffy acting almost adds to it in a way. Yeah, there's definitely an atmosphere to it. And it's it's really funny that, like, it does feel like it's biting off, like, a bunch of different stuff from different sci-fi properties. But I don't think it's done in a bad way. I just think it's like, oh, that's kind of similar to this. This is kind of similar to that. I did watch the Wheel of Time finale yesterday, which ended with a scene where someone blew a horn and brought back hordes of the dead to win a fight. And it's like, that's just fucking Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you just, that's just, that's just Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can't just do that. I know everything is sitting in the shadow of Tolkien when it comes to fantasy for the most part, but you can't just do like the same plot beat to, from Lord of the Rings. Fuck off. I wouldn't know. I've never seen Lord of the Rings. Monster. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see the creator. Like I saw the trailers. Like that seems cool. I went in there without seeing the trailers, so. I knew mm. nothing. I actually kind of thought it was animated. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is really realistic. Yeah, I was like, wow, this CG's crazy. You guys are really overworked, these animators. Yeah, I really marveled them. Mm. Thankfully, all of them are unionizing, so fair play to them. There's so many different <laughs> companies that use. They must have been hell to organize. Because <laughs> they're outsourcing every single ounce that they can <laughs> to every company that they can, and then treating them all very badly. Mm. And then those companies either burn out or literally go bust, and then they have to go around to somebody else. Is true. I've been getting super into Survivor again. Mm-hmm. The only Survivor I've ever watched was the dropout version. And Johnny Fairplay. Well, I've never seen him play Survivor. But he has survived in TNA longer than he probably should have, am I right? Sure. Got him. If you really want to force a joke, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no need to call me out. Very rude. Uh, <laughs> Survivor, it's... it's 
like I, I go through like runs of not watching Survivor because like any show you can't watch it all the time so it's been like four or five years I think since I've watched the season and I, I was like I'm gonna watch this season of Survivor and like, it's still the fucking best reality show it's so good hmm. you get so many people now who are like Survivor super fans who are like I know every aspect of Survivor except they're non-social freaks oh they're like wrestling fans <laughs> yeah so they're like this is my dream but also I am in no way equipped for it because it is a very physical and it is a very social reality game so they go out there it's like nope I'm seeing some parallels here I cannot survive whatsoever trying to do this. <laughs> and then they collapse and fall apart. And Has there ever been a Survivor superfan that's one Survivor? <laughs> yeah, there, there was there was a couple. Was it John Cochran a while back who was like a very like analytical guy and I think he won. But a lot of the time they do come out there and they are like, well, th- this requires you to be either smart, social, or as I said, very athletic. If you had to pick like one of the three to really excel at in Survivor, what do you think the most important is? Oh, social. Like if you're yeah. social, you charisma, can, you can go all the way. Because if you're smart, you are seen as a threat because you're smart. If you're if you're like a challenge beast, people will take you only so far because you're useful to them until the merge, and then it gets very individualistic. So they want to boot out anybody who can get immunity. So if you're really good physically, you go out probably about halfway through. Whereas if you're social, you can play the long game and you win. Wasn't there a wrestler who was on it? Yeah, Johnny Impact. I thought there was someone before him, but yes, he was on it. Johnny Survivor. (laughs) Johnny Survivor, indeed. Uh, I think Ashley Massaro was on it for a year as well. That's fun. I think, I want to say. She was on one reality show. I'm pretty sure it was Survivor. Um, I didn't watch Johnny Impact season. Maybe that could be our next Patreon series. He went far enough as well, I think. I think he got past the merge, so he would be there for a while. All right, we'll consider it. When we get to 2018 TNA, we'll add it (laughs) in real time. There we go. Because he does disappear off TNA TV for the, the four months he's on Survivor, so... That's fun. Uh, yeah, that was a good run, that 2018 run. Yeah. I know it, it's very easy to roll your eyes at Johnny TV. I've always been pretty pro-Johnny. Like, he has his lane, and if he stays in that lane, he's he's pretty good. He's good. In, he's been good on Lucha Underground that we've seen so far. Mm. He's good in Impact. Maybe he's just built for the mid-level company. And even in AEW, he's just on Rampage. <laughs> Actually, he's doing Dynamite Dark Matches <laughs> against Brandon Culler and Cole Cabana. For, for why? <laughs> If anything, that is almost a little underusing Johnny TV. He's doing the BTE matches. Mm. But yeah, Survivor. It's it's just it's such a good show because it, it works every time because it's just a bunch of people trying to pettily outplay each other and usually stabbing themselves in the back instead of stabbing somebody else. And it is tremendous. You know what my favorite um, reality TV show is? What? Uh, Total Forgiveness. What is this? It's one of the most insane uh, premises for a show I've ever seen. Uh, Basically, they get two people who are like friends who are like crippling in student debt. Mm -hmm. And every week they give each other a challenge. And if they complete it, they get like $500 and $1,000 and $2,000. And it keeps going up and up and up and up. Um, But as it goes up, obviously, and like, because if the person fails or doesn't complete it, the other person gets their share. Feels like a Mr. Beast show. It is insane because you get to watch these people break each other and their friendship torn asunder as they start picking challenges that are A, socially crippling, Mm. or B, just impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're just not, like, 
able to be completed. It's and like they're just like there's. I won't spoil any of it because I do recommend you go watch it. It's one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. But there is one part where it's like one the guy does the thing and then they go up to like be like, "Haha, cool, you did the embarrassing thing," and he just sort of goes, "Don't talk to me. Are we done with the shoot? I'm leaving." Nice. <laughs> like it gets to that level. It gets to the point where they stop liking each other. Like. Uh, well, like I'll, some of like the earlier ones, cause I don't want to spoil the big ender ones, but some of the earlier ones, are, like they, he has to go up and do stand up comedy, but all of his jokes are written to bomb, and he has to play it off like, mm. like, like it's all fine. See, I'd probably have fun with that one. And he's the headliner of the event, and no one else is in on it but him. Because, like, I know if I did do stand up, that's exactly how it would go. So I would probably have some fun trying to bomb as hard as I possibly could. The other one was they had to read their shoot childhood diary uh, at a book reading to the public. <laughs> Um, what other one this is why I'm happy I never wrote a diary. Uh, there was one where they had to come to work drunk every day for a week. Then you could just get fun. That's like, <laughs> no, it's not fun. It that, is not fun. That could because ba- like if the whole point is that you're getting money to pay down your student debt, if you're fired from your job, that does defeat the purpose somewhat. Well, the job is the people that are doing the show. So, mm. but it's very funny to go like every one of their workmates being like, "This is a punishment for us. Mm. Why don't we get paid for this?" A, they're completely incapable of doing their job for the week. <laughs> And we have to deal with this person who had to drink a bottle of champagne before every single work day. <laughs> Down it. Uh, and then, yeah, the, 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 the last couple are real crazy. And I will leave it there because people need to go watch it to see it. There's reality TV for you. Yes, sir. But if you'd like to support our reality, you can wow. head to patreon.com slash kidding me or tnhat.com and subscribe where you can get show notes extra shows boom watch alongs you can get uh, spreadsheets with star ratings that we fill out after every show we watch and then all the other shows that we mentioned like rain takers where we cover 2013 new japan or lucha underground where we're talking about lucha underground shocker (laughs) 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 where it also shows it's gift of the pods it does have a name these shows do have names uh and we also talk about gfw we talk about rinka king we talk about the 2010 monday night wars Uh, as we said next week we will have a special edition of tuesday war games covering the aew and nxt war revival which i definitely remember the 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 structure of that show just play the arthur song and everything's fine cool i think we do like a match of the week thing and then whoever won yeah and then like and yeah and we also do like but who was like the best out of both shows who had the best performance i don't think we did but we can if you want yeah i want to do that that sounds fun see we're we're innovating on our formats unlike these people who are trying to play um, the hits from 2019 when, when was the last time you watched an nxt show i think the last time i watched nxt was the last time i had to watch nxt for no i watched some of the 2.0 stuff at the very start i watched the first couple of weeks to 2.0 and was like this is funny and bad but will increasingly just be bad after a few weeks and that was the case i watched last week's so i haven't watched nxt in probably two years and it was some of the most dreadful bullshit i have ever witnessed in my life Mm. that being said i will go into this episode with a clear mind and a clear conscious not a single ounce of bias will be there i will give it the benefit of the doubt
you are approaching NXT with good faith. Yes, it's a, we always said that the War Games podcast was a good faith podcast. It's it's my big thing when always covering wrestling. That like you do see a lot of people approach everything with bad faith, or approach the things they don't like with bad faith. And I do try to approach everything with good faith, even if I'm grumpy sometimes. Sometimes it's hard. People are just doing things you hate. Sometimes that is simply the case. Yeah. Sometimes you have to give people you hate a chance to surprise you. They should have put the pay-per-view on the same day as Collision, and we would have been forced to do two. <laughs> but yes, that'll be next week. And all of that is available at patreon.com, tnhad.com. You can support the show, support us, and all of the people who do go there and support us, which are, is a pretty substantial number, all things considered. In, in the realms mm. of wrestling Patreons, we are, I think, in the top 25% whenever Brandon posts that graphic. Wait, are we are we listed in that? But no, you know the the he uh, posts like a, a pie chart that has like mm. this percentage has five to ten, this percentage has twenty oh, yeah. to fifty, and we are usually in like the top twenty twenty five percent of wrestling patrons, which is crazy to think about. If we get listed in like the actual name, that's when we'll retire. Yeah. If we're like listed by name, we're done. So for you to make that happen for Liam to make him a successful podcaster on Brandon Thurston, oh, we'll keep radar. the Patreon up though. <laughs> you can head to tnhat.com, patreon.com, slash um, and support the show. Uh, also, there's new features on Patreon. Go look. I don't think we've actually used any of them, but... Yeah, we can make the collections. Which we probably should for our individual It'd be very shows. easy for us, because like, our things are like 10 episodes each normally. Mm. I want to say, though, one thing. Uh, Raintakers is killing it on, on the Patreon. Mm. Raintakers is, like... I think that's like one of our best runs that we've been hitting. Is like Those shows have been quality. Um, it helps that it's like an era that we're both kind of familiar with. Uh, whereas this show is, you're familiar with it, and I'm just playing catch-up. Yeah, it's the classic expert in every man format. But that one is like two people who lived it and loved it. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. And I recommend everyone go check it out. There's a free episode up somewhere, I think. I think the first one's free. If not, we might make it free at some stage. Yeah, so like, if you want to try it out, I'm sure you can. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's just fun. I'm having good times lately. TNHat.com, Patreon.com, stop kidding me. That brings us to the news. Details aren't known as of press time, but word out of TNA is that top executive Frank Dickerson has left ah. the company. Dickerson was popular with wrestlers for his honest approach and fast learning of the business. He had clashed with Jeff Jarrett several weeks back. When TNA wrestlers were in Australia, there was some key business Dickerson wanted Jarrett to tend to, and when Jarrett didn't, Dickerson expressed frustration. That may have been enough for him to fall out of favour with Jarrett, who remains extremely powerful in TNA. In fact, sources say he's de facto head booker at this point, which I think is, is more just that like every, the, there is still the booking committee booking the show, but then there is just like the Jarrett of it all hovering around jarreting everywhere i imagine he'd like mostly just focuses on himself mm, where the, he's all suggesting ideas and particularly ideas for his own top programs there you go so former ceo frank dickerson was fired by a part owner bob carter three weeks ago majority owner bob, bob, bob carter dave to, to be clear there oh no this is pw torch dickerson will be completing a 90-day period of training his replacement for the position uh the replacement is his mid-30s has no wrestling knowledge and made his money in the oil business working for the financial branch of panda energy one source says dickerson was not pleased with the sudden firing most people aren't pleased with <laughs> sudden firings <laughs> i've learned that in my life <laughs> 
Uh, very few people are like, oh, thank God. Actually, sometimes people are like, thank God, but... There's people that are quiet quitting normally. Mm. And has enough financial and business experience to form his own wrestling promotion if he wants to pursue that. The wrestling bug bit him, says one source to PW Torch. The firing came as a surprise to Dickerson, who played an integral role in negotiating the Spike TV deal, went to bat for Dixie Carter and Jeff Jarrett in meetings with corporate sponsors, and was regarded as a team player. Dickerson was instrumental in signing the talent exchange deals between New Japan and TNA through the NWA, and Liger was the first wrestler but not the last as it turns out there's speculation he might be the last because of that but no he's not we get more next year we get more in january actually so other projects that dickerson was working on have currently been placed on hold as well tna currently has a an 18 month deal with spike tv and spike aren't too concerned there's always like a thing in wrestling where it's like oh they have to have the executive who struck the deal otherwise the company will hate them it's like no if you're doing ratings the company the, the tv networks don't really care who they're dealing with they just want numbers <laughs> kind of sick that he was like yeah we need to get this new japan yeah he's like international relationships which like it has always been a part of tna's identity you know going back to the world x cups and the super x cups and all that fun stuff but you obviously you did all that without one of the real heavy hitters like even the the japan teams were always like weird all japan jobber teams Mm. you weren't even getting the a players from anybody so finally striking one of those deals where you can get someone like the the decent level stars over is frank dickerson still alive uh, probably. I think I looked at his LinkedIn years ago, but I haven't looked recently. I wonder if he'll sponsor me. <laughs> to start your own wrestling company? You think I should send him a message on LinkedIn? Like, brother, it's time. Yo, Frank, you want to get back in the wrestling business? I can do it. Put, put me in, coach. Give me your money and put me in. It's only been nearly 20 years. But it's eight. It said right here the wrestling bug bit him. <laughs> yeah, he's still been thinking about it for the entire time. He's just, like, just like, I just need some podcasting host to contact me and I'll do it. It's all going so well with TNA. Ah, if only someone who watched the TNA could contact me. <laughs> Doesn't no one know that the wrestling bug bit me? So unfortunately, we won't be able to laugh at Frank Dickerson's name anymore, Liam. I'm sorry. It's been a good run. I know this is a, a big hit to your, your enjoyment of doing this show. <laughs> you can have a nice little chocolate Frank Dickerson. Frank Dickerson promotions coming soon. Though. With CM Punk. Oh, there you go. He's the businessman behind CM Punk Pro. <laughs> Me and CM Punk running the promotion. <laughs> With Frank Dickerson. With Frank Dickerson's money. Dixie Carter says drugs are not a problem in TNA. Yeah, they're the bloody solution. <laughs> There's a Dixie quote if you'd like. Uh, I gave up <laughs> on the voice. We keep very, very close tabs on our locker room situation. TNA president Dixie Carter told AudioWrestling.com. We had some guys in trouble in the far past. Raven in the past. All right, no need to do that. <laughs> Most of the people we deal with don't drink any. Whatever their demons were in the past, they've kicked. Dixie res- responded that because the wrestlers on TNA's roster don't fit the model of a WWE bulked up wrestler, a drug policy similar to WWE's isn't applicable to the company. You can tell by looking at our roster that we're not necessarily about size. Dixie said. You don't have to be a bumped up talent to be successful on our show. We have a different philosophy as far as the type of wrestlers and the style of wrestler. When asked about WWE's implementation of a drug policy, Dixie said. I applaud what they're doing. I respect what they're doing right now. We don't have a specific drug policy in place. We haven't really had any problems, so I don't know exactly where we're going to go. Dixie says she's talked to former WWE wrestlers who have gone through WWE's uh, previous drug policy. It is not a flawless system. 
but it is an important system. Dixie said. There's such pressure on these guys. I can't imagine having to live with that kind of pressure. Having to compete where that's so important. I really feel for them. When asked about building TNA and establishing a foundation for the company, Dixie said October 1st was the beginning of the company. The first three years were research and development and investment money, Dixie said. We've been very smart with our money as we continue to make more money and build a business foundation that when the money did start coming in, that losing money would never be an issue with us. I like the idea that she's just like, everything before Spike Davey doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> Not real. All that money we lost, only like R&D. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. I proposed that idea before that the first three years of TNA were just for video packages. Yeah, it was just for B-roll and video packages that you could put in the Spike Davey, which worked pretty well, to be fair. So I guess we're on the same wavelength as Dixie in that way. regard. Mm. I like how that story goes directly into a Jeff Hardy story. Oh, you might see that I have somewhat set the next two stories to directly perhaps contradict what Dixie Carter is saying. That's storytelling, baby. But yeah, so as you might expect, in the wake of Eddie Guerrero's death, there was a, a larger spotlight on the drug testing policies for these companies and whether or not there's something they can do to perhaps help wrestlers who are struggling instead of having them repeatedly fall on their back while they also have addiction problems. Those two things don't add up to something good, as it turns out, as we learned the hard way very, very often in professional wrestling for like 40 years. So this is there's pressure on these companies to like uh, establish like WWE obviously have established their, their wellness policy I think in the wake of Eddie wasn't it or was it in the wake of Benoit I think it was in the wake of Eddie and uh, then Dixie uh, is like we, we don't need no drug test and everything everybody here is clean sober everyone's having a good time we don't even need to look well bulked up we don't even drink around here <laughs> Which is hilarious. Oh, Dixie. I'm going to like specifically name bloody Scotty the body though. That's that's a bit cold, Dixie. Yeah. Of all the people you're going to throw under the bus as well. Literally, Jeff Hardy's no show on your shows every two weeks, but you're throwing Raven under the bus? No. Jeff's a star. Mm. Speaking of, Jeff Hardy was originally scheduled for an eight-man tag team match during the pre-show. Hardy no-showed and he was replaced with Lance Hoyt. That could be his final strike for him in TNA, unless he has a great excuse. He did not. He is fired in January. We have seen the last of Jeff Hardy. Until 2010. Forever. <laughs> Until he comes back in 2010, but this is the end of this Jeff Hardy run because he has no-showed one time too many, and Jeff Hardy is Dunskis. And he's about to go have the like, most successful run of his career. Which is kind of wild to think about, that like he crashed out of TNA, not like in humiliation, because that would happen in 2011, but like in in very ignominious fashion that like he's done, he, he's very clearly like been booked the last few months as like a guy they want to have around just for the value of having Jeff Hardy around but don't want to do anything with because they cannot rely on Jen- Jeff Hardy so there's, there's there's a lot of him just kind of being on the show in relatively meaningless capacities uh, and rightfully so when you look at the, the reliability and like there's part of you it's like you put him in an 8 man tag team uh, pre-show match of course he's gonna fucking no-show it but also if you can't trust him to actually do a real pay-per-view match what else are you gonna do with him yeah it's like this is the opportunity where you show that you can be trusted mm, or you're willing to go out there and be a team player for a relatively low stakes match and then everyone's like all right maybe we can put him in something bigger next month and he's like nope fuck it not doing this shitty match but how have you felt about jeff hardy's first run sum it up in one word uh is that the word that's my word mine is disappointment yeah because like he's still jeff hardy but only like 
15, 20% of Jeff Hardy. Oh, I was going to say that's being generous. There, there is glimpses every so often where it's like, oh, that dude's, that's Jeff Hardy in there somewhere. But there's so much before that Jeff Hardy can get out. And there's only very fleeting glimpses of when he did get out. Mostly when he was working with Abyss and freaking out at tables. Because even when those matches went badly, they were extremely funny. So... And the Ravens cage match. Yeah, there was that silly little run because like he was a very serious wrestler to start, which is to be expected. He's Jeff Hardy. You bring him in. He's your main event player. He's in a main event program with Jeff Jarrett. Fine. And then he moved into like plunder stuff with Abyss and Raven. And that was when he was at least productively contributing to the show as opposed to being yeah, bad. Yeah, that's the best stuff of the run. When he was just being thrown through tables and when tables didn't break, he drop kicked them. That's <laughs> and, great. And then he came back and he did like the, the Monsters Ball Bank for Glory is awesome. And like he is a big part of that and has the biggest spot in that so you can't take that away from him either but yeah the the average like week to week there's never a point when like i'm watching an impact and jeff hardy comes out and i'm like thank god jeff hardy's here yeah i'm always like well jeff (laughs) like there's always a little bit of disappointment to even see jeff hardy appear on one of these shows and yeah we'll talk about the, the the last few things he does he does have a couple tv matches this month but other than that he is done he is finished with tna until he comes back in 2010 the other major item coming out of the baby was Jeff Hardy no-showing Hardy, who has no-showed for several times in the past, including once in a push paper match against Raven back at Heart Justice, and was even dropped for a few months after that, was scheduled for an eight-man tag. The belief is Hardy is done, at least for now. TNA has historically always taken people back, though Dave notes not DDP. They're like, fuck DDP. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't put over Monty, uh, but he, but Hardy apparently never refused the job. He was willing to do business, but then he also he also didn't show up. He was willing to do business when he was there. Yes. With Hardy, one of the reasons he was brought back was because they wanted to have as many familiar faces as possible when they started on Spike. At this point, they are very low on rationalizations for him. Nobody knew until two hours before the start of the show that Hardy was no-showing when he called to say he missed his flight. He gave no other explanation. The feeling was that Hardy was mad because he was booked in the pre-show match, but he acted as if he just didn't make his flight. And he is done! Well, what a run. Uh, But everyone's fine. Everything. This had nothing to do with any demons or anything. This is just some personal problems with Jeff Hardy. Dick Dixie doesn't need a drug testing program. Nobody in the company even drinks, Liam. I believe her. Did, I, did you not hear her impactful read three seconds ago? Not that this necessarily will change the plans, but Sean Holtman didn't help his cause regarding the plans to bring him back when a few weeks ago, the Doubletree Hotel in Orlando, the, the hotel that the wrestlers stay at, alerted TNA management that one of its wrestlers had passed out in a hotel room and they had to break down the door to revive him and the person in question was Sean Waltman. TNA officials were told Waltman had to be carried out of the, the room. Waltman apparently admitted he had passed out and was revived, but denied he had to be helped out of the room. There was a storyline to bring him back... Uh, and best as they can tell, that is still in the planning stages. We do only see him once. He, he's a random challenger for Raven in that story, but he doesn't do anything important. Uh, probably because of this and Dixie saying, there, there's no problems, DNA. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, he, um, he passed out because he was really tired. Uh, he's just real sleepy from all the hard work he's doing in TNA. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's your little uh, Dixie Carter trying to downplay and do damage control post Eddie Guerrero and being directly contradicted by the two people who always directly contradict her. <laughs> TNA is teasing that the December 11 Turning Point pay-per-view will feature a major surprise that will change the course of the industry. The word going in from PW Torch was that it will get you a short-term buzz, but hardly change the industry in the long run. Damn, you think you know him? Uh, no, the, 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 this actually that is remarkably similar to the New Year stuff, isn't it? 
God, I didn't put that together even when I was putting together these notes. It's like, yeah, because they were like, this will change. Like They specifically said change the face of TNA forever, I think, is the way they phrased it on the pay-per-view. You're saying it would be a new era? Like, yeah, God. He really is Jacksonville Dixie, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, the worm is turning, as they say. And, like, Sting is cooler than Edge. So this is, like, more... It's more delivering on TNA than WWE or AEW. Did people, like, know it was Sting heading in? Um, I think so. Actually, actually no, I think it, it took to the pay-per-view tease for it to be revealed to be Sting. Because all these stories that, it, it, that talk about how Sting has signed a deal actually came out, I think, after the pay-per-view tease. So I think, I think they managed to keep a lid on that one until the pay-per-view. Good on them. DNA has made Sting its biggest acquisition to date, at least in terms of price and recognition. The deal is rumoured to be for a year, including all pay-per-views and many TV tapings. Sting was one of WCW's top stars during its last dozen years of existence, which is most of its existence. <laughs> he Never... Say, what, a, what, a, what an interesting way to phrase that. Yeah, during the, the from 1989 to 2001, Sting was one of their top stars. In their biggest years. He never jumped to the WWF despite several opportunities. TNA marks the second promotion he'll ever work for regularly since becoming a national name. TNA teased for a week that management had a major announcement to make at Sunday's turning point. Although Sting didn't appear in person, at the end of the pay-per-view his pending arrival was signaled when the lights went out and they came back on while Jarrett and Demore were in the ring and his signature jacket, baseball bat and boots were sitting in the middle of the ring while some scorpions... He retired. <laughs> yeah, he actually he's done. <laughs> while some scorpions appeared on the screen as well. <laughs> JPEGs of scorpions. Yeah, single static JPEGs of scorpions. That's good production, baby. Uh, at the TV tapings two days later, it was announced that Sting would make his debut. He will be teaming with Christian to face Monty Brown and Jeff Jarrett at Final Resolution. Spoilers. That is a little bit of a spoiler, but I thought it's, it's important to include here just for context. At the time, former TNA CEO Frank Dickerson, among other voices in management, tried to convince management to spend dollars elsewhere rather than investing in this former wrestler. However, with Dickerson no longer involved in the decision-making process, TNA forged ahead with signing Sting to a one-year contract. I hope Sting got him fired. <laughs> That's his first act coming in. Get this guy out of here. So, mm-hmm. Sting. Sting. One of the biggest signings in the company's history. Mm-hmm. With Gail Kim and Kurt Angle. Probably top three. I mean... It very important, you know, to a lot of people from my age bracket. Sting, it's a TNA guy, so obviously made an impact. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, like, what are we going to do? Criticize the Sting signing? Like a guy that would then be there for like a decade? When you're looking at like the market of available wrestlers right now outside WWE, there's Chris Jericho who's not going to go. There's Brock Lesnar who legally right now can't go. Then there's Sting and there's Goldberg. Like th those are like mm. the four that if you were like these, if we if we need real star power, these are the guys we want to go to. And Sting is about as good as anybody. He's probably cheaper than Goldberg. He probably is, and I, I think he's probably more willing to help you long run than Goldberg because like there's probably Sting is I think a more versatile performer for what TNA would ultimately need than Goldberg is. Even if Goldberg, I think at the height of Goldberg was a bigger star than Sting. Even if Sting was a, a bigger star for a longer time than Goldberg. Yes, uh, signing Sting is a good idea. Mm. That is the take here. Yeah. <laughs> Adding Sting to your roster. Thumbs up. <laughs> mm-hmm. The signing took place this past week and believed to be a one-year deal, with Spike TV kicking in a significant part of the mid-six-figure deal. It is believed Spike set a precedent by kicking in money for Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz to appear on Ultimate Fighter Season 3, coming up next this spring. 
It's not coming up this spring. The spring of 2006. The spring ahead of us where we are in the TNA timeline right now. Though I, I wouldn't be shocked if they did do a Tito Ortiz Ken Shamrock <laughs> 2023 season of Ultimate Fighter. I gotta get some people to watch those shows. There have been talks with Sting going back several months. Sting turns 47 in March and was one of the big stars in the 90s. There's been a lot of talk that did, like match quality was an issue, but like who gives a fuck it's Sting. Also, Sting is actually pretty darn good, so there's also that. Mm. And then Dave points out, like, they brought in Hall, they brought in DDP, they brought in Nash, they don't give a fuck once they can have some stars, and Sting is a bigger star than all those guys. Yeah, they, the rest of the roster will pick up the match stuff. And also Sting is still good. And Sting has the face paint, which means he can, even now in his 60s, get away without feeling too old. Mm-hmm. And, like, the full, like, get-up. He really picked uh, an aesthetic that was gonna lend himself to looking young. Yeah, because you watch Sting on AEW TV now, and you're not like, look at that old man. No, he still just looks like Sting. He's still Sting. <laughs> it's Sting, as Tony Fischiavani might say. He might and will and does. <laughs> Often. I wonder does Don West drop in? It's Sting. <laughs> We'll have to keep an eye out for that. He's a student of the game. At the end of the Turning Point pay-per-view, there is that tease where, where they're, they're like, Sting is coming. And they, they do a fun thing where they like spent ages being like, could it be? Who could this Scorpion logo be? I thought they weren't even going to say the word Sting. But Mike Tanae does eventually be like, that's associated with Sting! <laughs> that's a way wordier version of what Tony's catchphrase is. Mm. <laughs> that's a logo associated with Sting! That'd be great. I hope that's what they do instead. So they are ramping up their star power naturally. Christian last month, Sting this month. It's the Adam Cole and Brian Danielson of TNA. Mm-hmm. Which is the which is the better one-two punch combo to sign? Uh, Christian and Sting or Adam Cole and Brian Danielson? The Cole Danielson one led to like the biggest run ever. Ever? In the history of wrestling? For the company. For the company. For the company. TNA goes into a rapid period of three years of expansion after this. Four years. All right. (laughs) What what about Punk? Can I put Punk in there? No, he doesn't count. He burned out. It's probably in like the same amount of like time. All right. Who's uh, so uh, who would we have to include to include? Punk is Rhino, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's Punk, Cole, uh, Christian. Well, before then it was Christian. It's Punk. Colt, Danielson, and Christian, Rhino, and Sting. Mm. You got your indie dream I... guys versus your cool <laughs> stars. I think I gotta give it to the AE dub on that one. Rhino will just gore punk in half. Rhino should wrestle Danielson on collision. <laughs> Probably have a good match. Yeah, I mean, Danielson will get it out of anyone. Heavy shot at Rhino. It was intended. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched Dune forever. He could be good. So yes, Sting will be here, and we will be talking more about Sting long into the future. Because like the 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 three top stars of TNA like are, are Styles, Sting, and Angle. Those are like the three guys who are like for the for the next whatever eight years will be the guys who are like the three TNA guys who pretty much everything revolves around. Hmm, you've seemed to have forgotten the name there. Who who did I forget? And let me spell it out for you. J E double double T. What's that spell? <laughs> we only have one more year of this being the Jeff Jarrett company. Then it becomes like a company that has Jeff Jarrett in it. It's gonna be weird in a post Jarrett world. A post Jarrett planet. Like we always say like you could argue that like Jarrett being the top guy until the likes of Sting and Christian and Angle came in makes sense. But also like he hoovered up so much of the oxygen during that period that he made sure there would be nobody else but him until guys like that came in. It's crazy how much this show is going to fucking hit into overdrive once Angle comes in. Yeah. (laughs) And is just a fucking maniac. Mm. 
You know, that's the thing. Like, uh, 2005 has been good, mm. but you know what? It hasn't been insane enough. <laughs> it hasn't been crazy, that's true. And I'm ready for uh, insanity. 2005 TNA has been too, uh, too competent and coherently put together for your tastes. It, you know what? It was, it was pleasant to have after the boring era, mm. but I want TNA what it's known for, and that's pure insanity. You'll have to wait until September next year. Well, it's October. We're getting there. We only have about a year left of good TNA. And then we're in the, like, until, like, 2013. When is the next good year? Uh, and we do get, like, bits and bobs, because we're, we're coming up on, like, obviously this month we start Alex Shelley at ringside with the paparazzi cam. That's like, there's the, mm-hmm. there's the little beginnings of paparazzi productions this month, so there's some, there's some fun stuff. We get done. to see him... Uh, being a pervert around Sting soon. So mm. That's great. Although he recently signed a contract as a TNA wrestler, Kevin Ash may retire from in-ring action. The health scare from the <coughs> night before his scheduled pay-per-view match on October's Bound for Glory brought on anxiety from fear of potentially suffering an injury in the ring may cause him to rethink any future plans to return to the ring. He did get clearance from a cardiologist that his heart was not in bad shape and he's not at risk of a heart attack just for wrestling, but other issues are weighing on him. So it, it seems, at least naturally, is suggesting that the Bound for Glory incident was a panic attack? That makes sense. That he couldn't really deal with the Bound for Glory main event and also just feared he'd get hurt because of how quickly he got hurt when he tore his quad when he returned to WWE. It's like the most reasonable shit I've ever heard in my life. Because yeah, there was that thing where, where he returned to the ring, he ran down the ring and he tore his quad when he literally got in the ring. For like a, an industry that's full of gigantic weirdos who don't care enough about the logistics of this insane sport that they're a part of, this is the most realistic shit that I've ever heard any of them talk about where he's like you know it's just dawned on me i can get hurt just from getting in the ring mm. and then i have to go and take bumps well wow. insanity well i have to go in and take a bump yeah that's insanity <laughs> Uh, although he had a strong match on pay-per-view with Jarrett earlier in the year, he prepared much more for that match than this scheduled pay-per-view match, which is on him. He knew it was happening. The, that mm. lack of preparation is what led to the fear, which manifested itself as a panic attack. That he wouldn't put in a good showing and might get hurt. Friends, though, say that while he tries to downplay it, he has a passion for wrestling and will watch tapes in his free time and would like to be involved on and off camera for years to come in some capacity. I mean, that's the most, like, obvious shit. It's like, we know that he tries to be the cool guy but this dude like still to this day is watching shit yeah you're not like for all you can say about how annoying wrestling podcasters are and i mean like podcasts by wrestlers us included hey uh, we are cool and we are can't even finish the sentence uh for as annoying as they are you have to like this thing to do it you know especially like it's one thing if you're doing like the Kurt Angle show or the McFoley show where you're predominantly talking about your own career and just sharing stories from your own experience yeah, Kevin Nash is like, yo, let me talk about Kenny Omega and CM Punk real quick. Yeah, Nash is watching TV and commenting on angles. Like, he's a he's a nerd. He's a sicko for this shit. Yeah. He can come into Punk Pro with me, Punk and Dickerson. Mm. He can just be there for morale. Um, he can work. He can, not work. Yeah, no, no, no. Road agency. Uh, so Nash does come back in the middle of 06. So. Yeah, he wrestles a shit ton. <laughs> yeah, he, he wrestles pretty consistently until 2011. And he has a another Fed run. He does do a, a sledgehammer on a pole match. That's on a ladder, but still. What a weird reality. That was the time when people were like, is Russo in Dotary? <laughs> or they undercut the Summer of Punk by doing a Triple H and Kevin Nash program. 
And everyone's like, why is this happening? Uh, UFC has re-signed Tito Ortiz, who will be one of the coaches on the upcoming season of the Ultimate Fighter, as we mentioned. I'm mentioning this because there was some thought that Tito would be involved more in TNA, and obviously with him returning to the UFC, that's not the case. I'd rather like Ken Shamrock. <laughs> yeah, former TNA headliner Ken Shamrock has signed as well to be that the other coach. <laughs> the former TNA headliner. That's how I would describe Ken He Shamrock. was world champion. That is his biggest achievement. It's the only company he won the world title in. He was a UFC champion. That's not a real company. It wasn't even a real title either. Pro Wrestling Illustrated doesn't recognize that belt. He was Pancrase champ. <laughs> Pancrase have title? I don't remember. So yeah, no Tito going forward, because there was talk that like Tito would be involved in the screwing Nash, and Raven would turn heel, and there'd be all that kind of shite. That didn't happen because Nash pulled out of the match, and then they just strapped up Rhino instead. Yeah, which, hey, wasn't bad for the moment. Mm. In a TNAWrestling.com poll asking fans what match they were most looking forward to a turning point, Jeff Jarrett versus Rhino finished last, with just 4% of the votes... <laughs> Yeah, well, like, why would you? Sabu versus Abyss and Barrett Wire Massacre at 34%. I'm sorry that the build-up of Rhino talking to a camera for three <laughs> weeks while Jeff Jarrett interacts with Christian wasn't exactly f- firing people up. Christian Monty, 29%. Styles Joe, 24%. So people not into the Jeff Jarrett program. Evergreen statement. The November 26th impact was good news for TNA. I guess until TNA, 2023. As they were back to their normal 0.8 level and 972,000 viewers, both figures slightly above their average. It's really, like, confronting how similar these are to, like, AEW numbers. <laughs> the reason I included it is because, like, they had a couple dodgy weeks where everyone was like, TNA is done, the audience, uh, the, the novelty factor has worn off, the audience oh are God. fleeing. It's the modern talking points. They are the same company! So they, they, they did like a 0. 0.6 and 600,000 viewers at one stage and everyone's like clutching their pearls being like, this is the end, Spike is going to drop them, they're not doing... And then they came back 0. 0.8, 972,000 viewers and then it's like, oh, it's fine, everything's fine. <laughs> it's it's cr- like, the parallels are insane. Like people, you always hear the dopey talking point that like, oh, the internet's ruined wrestling. It's like, what if wrestling Twitter was around for Montreal? And then you read this shit and you're like, nope, Nope, it's always been like this. And if you read like 1987 observers and you'll read the, the, <laughs> the reader letters from that, it's always been like this. Time is a flat circle. Like the medium has changed through which we find things out and complain about things. But we find things out and complain about Access things nonetheless. Access is more readily available. Mm. That's the difference. You don't have to seek it out anymore. Like, I mean, like, look, X. I'm going to search the words AEW. Yeah, read the first tweet you see when you search the words AEW on X. Le- uh, latest. Uh, CM Punk drama. Oh. Um, at this point, uh, it's a reply to a tweet about Punk um, getting referenced on uh, WWE TV. And it's, I don't know why anyone cares. I mean, the most interesting about his AEW run was the controversies backstage. Thought he got carried by everyone he was in the ring with. Stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like, like those takes are everywhere. Mm. If so, if at Triple H brings back at CM Punk to at WWE, rip at AEW. <laughs> oh, God damn it. The idea that Punk has carried is so stupid. He worked like 30 matches. Did 30 people carry him? Yes. Oh, well, fair enough. And those 30 people were the fans. Oh. Yeah, Wrestle Dream did a crazy pay-per-view number. <laughs> it did the AEW pay-per-view number. It did better than All Out by like 20 
thousand. Yeah, but All Out was right the week after. The, all in, All Out is the anomaly here. AEW pay per views do like a hundred and thirty five to one hundred fifty thousand buys every time without fail. Four hundred forty two k pay per view in like a month and a half. Mm. That's wild. While no decision is official, the current betting line is that Spike TV will be moving Impact to Thursdays within six months. The plan at this point is that the is a betting line. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dave actually has a little gambling business on the side. That's awesome. The plan is, at this point is that the next season of Ultimate Fighter will be a Thursday night primetime show as opposed to 11pm on Mondays and wrestling works well in, conjunct- in conjunction. So most likely by the time the Shamrock or T season starts, Impact will be moved before or after. It's the DraftKings uh, $20,000 pool. <laughs> what day is DNA going to end up on? Yeah, and again, that's run through Dave's website. It's actually uh, wrestlingobserver.com slash DraftKings. I'm surprised they actually don't have a, a DraftKings sponsorship. Mm. I think everybody else does where's ours um yeah we can gamble on 2005 dna <laughs> who will win between abyss and sabu i don't even think i can use DraftKings here i think it's like blocked we can actually gamble it's fine DraftKings only exists because a lot of americans can't real gamble is that true it's uh, like it's been deregulated a lot more but they're, they're like for years like you can't bet on sports unless you're in certain places that's crazy whereas you can do it on apps here immediately all the time i got like seven um, so yeah, they're moving Ultimate Fighter to Thursdays, and I think Impact would complement that on Thursdays as well. Uh, the primetime special did a point eight, which is better than what would have been expected in a non-regular time slot, and Spike was once again very happy with the number, because the, the December 8th episode was another primetime special, because the, the VGAs aired on Saturday that week, so they moved <laughs> TNA into the, the Thursday slot again for a primetime special, which had Christian's in-ring debut. It's, it's Christian. Bound for Glory on October 23rd ended up doing approximately 35,000 buys, give or take a few thousand, at least based on numbers at this point. The bad news on that number, besides the fact that they promoted the show as their Super Bowl for months, is the number was roughly the same as they were doing for the first few pay-per-views after they got on FSN. The company's profile is much higher on Spike, and they have four times as many TV viewers, but that hasn't translated into a lot of new buys. The Genesis show was down to probably closer 15 to 20,000. So that is like the, the story of TNA's history. Obviously, they have a substantially larger television audience now than they ever had on FSN, but their pay-per-view number is roughly equivalent to what, like, Victory Road and Turning Point did at the end of 2004, and that was with 150,000 viewers on FSN. So despite a much larger audience, they have not been able to convert them into paying customers, and frankly, never will! That's rough. Yeah, well, for pay-per-views anyway. Like, attendance-wise, TNA would often do like 4,000-ish for like big shows on the road. They're like the opposite of AEW, where like they're more of a live gate thing than a pay-per-view thing at this point. Mm. And like, like TNA has always been like television. That was always their, their be-all and end-all, I guess. And and especially when Russo comes back, his, his be-all and end-all, especially so was television. He did not give a shit about pay-per-view. Uh, and like that reflected in the kind of audience they built, in the kind of like the people what people were willing to give them and pay for them they were willing to give time but very rarely money i wonder if like that was something to do with maybe the like weekly pay-per-view format they like oversaturated pay-per-views immediately yeah and like killed the idea that this is a product you even want to pay for yeah which is funny given like it was a premium product from the start like that that's the the, in theory that's the case with the shows being behind a paywall it's like that this is a show you should have to pay for all along but obviously that wasn't the case for the vast majority of those those weekly pay-per-views like three or four (laughs) out of the 110 yeah um so that uh, again pay-per-view numbers are not up despite obviously being on a much larger platform before you read this 
The little, like, sidebar that Dave throws in here is the most Dave shit you'll ever read. Uh, so both TNA announcers were on ESPN Classics last week. On uh, December 6th, Don West did a comedy role on Cheap Seats for the hosts who are big wrestling fans, even though they constantly make fun of it on the air. That is the most Dave, like, little sidebar you would ever hear. It's like, they love wrestling, but they always mock it. Just like most wrestling fans. That's true. We are a very, we are a very self-loathing industry. <laughs> Oh, we all hate ourselves and our dumb sport that we like. Mm. Go to someone's home when Wes shows up and does his wrestling hard sell from prior, his prior experience on late night TV <laughs> shopping shows and starts selling your furniture. It's a great fit. <laughs> Don Wes just showing up to your house being like, how about this chair? <laughs> Mike today is on the December 7th show in a segment on why society created Tyrell Owens, basically tracing his behavior back to Gorgeous George with Tanae and the Destroyer who worked with George in one of George's last high profile feuds and talking about George in general. Mike today and Don West very much in demand. Much like Christy Hemi. TNA has attempted to contact Christy Hemi from the moment she was released. As of press time, she's shown no interest, even though she will show up in a few months. And be there for, like, a while. Yeah, for until 2014? There was a time where she was, like, the highest paid person in the women's division. Doing her announcing? Yeah. I liked her as an announcer. She was a decent announcer, yeah. Yeah. Um, they also always did, like, the, the pervy shot, where it's, like, every time they'd come back from break and they'd do, like, the pan up of up Christy legs. Hemi's legs. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. um, we're done with the news, but a, a more important breaking news dropped 10 hours ago, and I think we need to address it. Okay. Uh, CM Punk, CM Punk, Chris Jericho's <laughs> movie trailer. Oh, I watched it this morning. I haven't watched it yet. Oh. And I'm, I'm going to live react to it right now. It's literally the first thing I saw when I woke up. It's Chris Jericho's movie trailer. Let me, I have to watch this right now on the air. So what's the name of it again? Uh, Country Hearts. Country Hearts. Premiering on Up TV Sunday, October 22nd. There's also a Christmas spin-off mm. movie, but I'm going to watch it right now. Please narrate it. His name is Bones. Bones. It's a singing movie. Yeah. So he's he's like a, a, a washed out musician and his daughter's trying to make it big. <laughs> <laughs> his acting is great. Don't question it. We have to watch this for the Patreon. Of course. We still have to watch that Sting movie. We never watched Sting Moment of Truth. We need to think of a name for wrestler movies. Mm. Oh, we have to download the MyUp TV app to watch it. Oh, I'll give them money. All right. Uh, Yeah, that's going to (laughs) happen. And then we have to watch Country... You know what? Fuck uh, the show that we do with um, Days of Thunder. (laughs) We need to watch Country Hearts Christmas this year. Yeah. Screw you, World World Wrestling All-Stars. Get the fuck out of here, road dog. Yeah, we need to do Country Hearts Christmas this year. You know the way you often see, like, a criticism? It's like, I couldn't see them playing a a role I just saw the actor. Mm -hmm. Never more true than with Chris Jericho in that movie. (laughs) Uh, Like, he looks like... He's cutting a dynamite promo. You can't just see Chris Jericho doing like, I'm from Winnipeg, idiot. It's, that's stupid. That's so stupid. I want to see it so badly. <laughs> that is the wrestling movie of the Christmas season. Mm. Von Eriks, get out of here. Yeah, fuck you. We don't want your sad story. We want Jericho's uplifting addict, washed out musician, trying to guide his daughter to musical fame. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, so it's coming it's coming late October isn't it uh, yeah October 22nd mm, mm. day after Bound for Glory and obviously the Christmas one that brings us to broad topics and fuck Jeff Jarrett let's talk about Samoa Joe oh <laughs> okay I guess 
up end format because like Jarrett and Rhino is like the fifth most important thing this month. So we'll start with the best thing this month. Actually, well, yeah, it's probably still the best thing this month, which is the X Division title program between AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. So if you remember at Genesis, there was the big ang- angle at the end of Elimination X where uh, Joe beat the shit out of Christopher Daniels, bloodied him, muscle bustered him on his chair, kneed him in the head a bunch, and he was sent out on a stretcher as AJ Styles watched on from the ramp being like, hey, bro, that's our against our code. <laughs> our code of honor um yeah so we're into the run that i think a lot of people associate joe with at this time mm. blood towel yeah he does have the blood towel so the 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 first match on the first impact this month is Samoa Joe against jarell clark and he does come to the ring wearing the towel with the blood of christopher daniels draped over his shoulder and it is the coolest fucking shit yeah so like obviously like heading into this show i was like in my malaise of oh i have to watch tna and then i put it on and samojo killed Jarrell clark and i was like fuck you let's go tna tna is back tna is the best tna is the best thing that's ever happened pretty much so yeah squash joe wins with the muscle buster cooking a clutch uh he holds the clutch on clark after the matches the referees are like get the fuck off him that's like my favorite part about all of this current samojo character he is just a bitch he just he's just a bitch who wants to hurt people which is why i think it's like translating so well in 2023 because he's just doing the same thing mm. Uh, Styles addresses Joe from the Tron and he says you brought the call to the X Division and it's not often that X Division challengers challenge the, the challenger but I'm gonna challenge you as champion <laughs> yeah that's uh, you know that's a, you, you may think Garrett fucked that up <laughs> but actually that was just an accurate representation of what AJ Styles said maybe even a little better so yeah I, I do like that as a hook though that like you know it's very rare that the champion challenges the challenger but Styles is like I want you for an X Division title match because he's pissed because he hurt his, not friend, but he respects Christopher Daniels. His frenemy. His his buddy. His pal. Well, that would just be friend. <laughs> buddy. You broke, you broke your own point. <laughs> Damn. His rival. Which is right. He is his rival. But November 26th Impact, they show a, a brief video from Brad N. Holman Dio, which is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. <laughs> this guy rules because... He's like, I believe he's a real doctor. I looked it up. He is a real doctor. Yes. But they just gave him like 20 bucks and we're like, hey, can you just say some bullshit? Yeah. And it's it's literally like 30 seconds. And he's like, Daniels has a grade three concussion. He will make a full recovery, but he is not cleared right now. A grade three concussion. I don't know what the grades of concussions are, but three sounds hard. I wonder if that's like, is that like grade four or is grade three the max? I don't know. I've never had a concussion. At least not that I know of. Is it a grade, like grade five scale normally, but then one day it broke and went to grade six? <laughs> Ridiculous. That leads us into AJ Styles and Chris Saban and a real good little TV match. It's always fun to see these guys just go out on TV and do some bullshit. Because we never get a big like pay-per-view Styles and Saban match. That's never happened. But we do get a, a, at least like three lovely little TV sprints. One in particular in 2009 that's like one of my favorite five minute matches ever. And that's what this is. These two go out and have like a seven minute, eight minute TV match. That's real good. It's Styles and Saban going out there and it just kind of rocks for what it is. Yeah. Because if, if you read like observer reviews of, uh, we've given out about Dave a lot. We've become one of those podcasts. But, but if you read re- observer reviews of this era of Impact, you'll hear Dave giving out a ton every single week about how they're trying to squeeze too much into these shows. And I honestly, I disagree. I don't think there's enough. <laughs> 
He's like, I really want that Jeff Jarrett-Kip James match to go another 10. Like, I do understand, like, wanting a match like Styles and Saban to get more time. I would have liked them to get a pay-per-view match at some time in their but, career. Like, the, the idea, I guess, is, like, you get little tastes of it on TV, but then when you want the, the full-length thing, you get it on a pay-per-view. Just in cases like Styles and Saban, it doesn't work out that way all the time. Yeah, and when you're dealing, you are dealing with an hour for the whole company. Like, you yeah. have an hour to get every pay-per-view program on TV every week. You don't have the time to give Styles and Saban 20. Or at least every two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, real cool match. Styles responds to a series of strikes and then punctuates it with a knee that seemed to, like, legit knock Saban back. Like, Saban did the stagger back. You know, it was super realistic, or he actually got his bell rung. Either way, it looked great. Sure, does my favorite thing, which is just, like, I love Challenger or Champion coming out onto the apron and just, like, staring down as the match is going on. Mm, especially when it's not, like, done as a, like, I hate it when it's a distraction finish, because that's stupid. Yeah, no, it shouldn't be a distraction, it should just be, like, this guy's scouting. And not only scouting, he's just like, I'm just gonna get in that guy's head by standing here. And also, I'm gonna take his shine. Mm. I'm gonna make his match and his win about me. Again, that's Samojo being a petty bitch. He is. He's just a little petty bitch who also kills people. Kind of a, a remarkable combination. Uh, I love the finish of this match. So the Styles is going for the Styles Clash right near the ropes. And Saban pushes him overhead, but Styles' legs bounce off the ropes. He rebounds back into the Styles Clash for the win. Uh, real smooth, real cool finish. That's the kind of thing you'd expect from these two. Yeah, it's cool. Like, the Styles Clash is the kind of move that you would think, it's like, there's not a lot of like versatile ways you can get somebody into that kind of move. To be fair, there probably isn't. They were just dealing with the mind of AJ's time. Yeah, you're just dealing with a gen generational wrestler who's like i need to find ways into that move that aren't just the same so he does like the roll through out of arana he does like he caught loki out of a phoenix splash into it once he did that with ricochet at one stage as well in wwe it looked good with ricochet too yeah he does find cool ways into a move that seems pretty rigid to set up because he is a good pro wrestler so at the start of the december 3rd impact don west is awaiting the arrival of raven and he's just hanging out and samojo walks past them with aj's name taped on his wrist tape and john's like what the hell dude <laughs> Does that mean when Joe started putting his own name on his wrist, he was going to attack himself? Yes, he's going to bloody himself. That's crazy. And then my favorite part of the segment, Don West just turns the other direction and Bobby Heenan is there. Yeah, just unrelated. Don's like, Bobby Heenan! I hope that's a shoot. <laughs> yeah, they, they surprise them with Bobby. It's like, because uh, I think we maybe have mentioned it before, was on the watch along or something, that I was like, Don West strikes me as a guy who was like, okay, I'm doing the wrestling thing. I don't know a lot about it or what to do. I'm running on charisma here. I'm just going to watch a billion Bobby Heen and my Tanae tapes mm. and just try and get an idea of the cadence, try and like study up and then like becoming a giant fan of Bobby Heen and, and then suddenly Bobby Heen is in TNA and he's freaking the fuck out. Yeah, and calling a match with them and everything. Yeah, because like, like, didn't you get that vibe? Like this guy was like, okay, I need to learn how to be an announcer. I'm going to watch a bunch of Bobby Heenan. Yeah. And what makes that, as you said, especially with the, like, the chemistry with Tanae and like, uh, like Bobby and Tanae were best pals and Tanae and West were best of pals. So there, there's, a, I think, a logical through line there. Oh yeah, it's like the next generation of the team. And we'll talk about why Heenan was there in a little bit. So Joe had AJ on his wrist tape and then there's a, a little MCU stinger at the end of the show where Joe is just kneeing the shit out of AJ against a road case backstage. 
I like that this is just an, a Ring of Honor offer feud. Yeah, and screaming, I don't respect your code. What code is it? What's the, what's the code? Austin, Austin. I love the degree to which they're very clearly avoiding staying the words honor. It's like, why? Like, you're friends at this point still, aren't you? There's a code of respect. There's a code of decency. There's a code of, of, of like, you don't injure the it's opponent. It's just a code. They're just a code, but not a code of honor. It's something completely different. No, a code of impact. Joe's beating the shit out of him. Then go home show. Samoa Joe faces the returning Amazing Red. It made me sad. That Red is just a Every job guy. Every time I guy. see Red, it just makes me sad. Yeah, it's like the, the decline of Red from like when he was at his like TNA peak in late 02, early 03 to now. The craziest thing being someone coming into this for like the first time is I didn't realize it was so early. Mm. I thought for sure it was a way like, I thought like in my head, I guess I would have thought it would have been like this time was when pe- like Red was peaking. But like he was like a dude exclusively who peaked in the asylum. Yeah. And the early days of this, like very early Ring of Honor, early TNA is like the peak of Red before like the knee injuries start catching up with them immediately. Maybe that's like because I was mostly exposed to Red in like 20, 2009 range. Mm. When he would like came back and won the title. And like I think he found himself again. Like he found the version of Red that he could be consistently, which he absolutely didn't post his knee injuries here in like 0405. Hmm. I don't know, it's an interesting one. Yeah, so Red gets completely squashed by Joe. Alex Shelley is filming at ringside. Uh my favorite little spot, Joe's going for the face wash, and then Alex Shelley gets in a little too close trying to film the face wash and cuts off like the big charging uh, face wash. <laughs> and Joe's like, What the hell, man? I'm, I'm sure they had like an R I, I, I my my ROH watch for of these early years was a while ago now but i'm sure they did something at some point too joe and shelly joe and um red specifically uh red does beat joe for the x title in 2009 yeah i just meant like more like before red's knees exploded which is a, a fun little uh future thing to this that the, like this is just a random throw his knees explode yeah, well yeah <laughs> uh, everyone loves when their knees explode it's great for them in their career happened to me uh it did it did it ended your wrestling career yeah before it even started you know what the irony about that is mm-hmm. that's my good knee now what happened to the other knee? Like, I, I I have attested since day one that the the kneecap popping in and out cleared up some level of, like, atrophy in there. And my, ever since that happened, like, after the healing process, that knee has been way stronger. Is there a little bit, you think, though, that you had to overcompensate on the, the quote-unquote strong knee that has made it the weak knee? No, because I, I felt it almost immediately. Mm. Was like like it felt like stuff had cleared up that was like in there like torn tissue or something. It was weird. Yeah. Well, it's the kind of it's kind of like bone goes back stronger kind of thing. I mean, maybe, but like it does. Found it. I always found it odd, but like interesting. Mm. Like like I'm th- I'm not talking about like in the years preceding it. I mean, uh, but the episode of preceding, uh, post seeding. Sure. <laughs> in the years post seeding it, I'm talking about like in like months, like after it healed, it was already on the other the other. Like I could tell that like it felt better. Mm. Just odd. Yeah, because I broke my leg twice and like what? Yeah, not recently. I was like three. <laughs> like how, how bad were the breaks? I I think like the second break was because it wasn't properly healed the first time because I slipped on a toy car and broke my leg like was it like a full break yeah i was you got, like kid bones so like you're probably fine regardless yeah but it was in a cast for a while and then i slipped on a lego catalog and re-broke it oh you slipping this guy this guy's been taking bumps since three yeah and my, my, my mom insisted that she didn't think it healed properly the first time which is the reason i broke it again but like i like that was when i was three and like i, I have no weakness in either like i think it was my right leg i broke i think i want to say no you broke it in the most malleable time to be fair mm, when bones are still growing and they're not formed mm, that's crazy i didn't know that do you like remember it? I don't 
don't really remember. I have like vague feelings of going to hospital and stuff, but I don't have like strong memories. It's probably good that you don't remember that pain. Yeah, from breaking it twice. Yeah. Well, they say third time's the charm. Yeah, I haven't come near breaking a bone since. I should break one just for the feeling. You should break one on the podcast. My my freaking tailbone still hurts from when I took that bum like two, three weeks ago. You probably knocked something out of place. I think I, I probably bruised it, I think is what it happened. But um, I think that we talked about that in the watch along, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Or one of these Patreon shows. I can never remember. Felt what it was like. It is also funny when people like mention things we mentioned on shows from two years ago. It's like oh, funny. They mentioned things on the show that I just didn't. I don't remember it. Yeah. I found it uh, last time because there was a rain take we recorded like two weeks in advance and someone mentioned something to you in discord i'm like he doesn't remember that because that was two weeks ago <laughs> I, I i literally though i could have recorded it the day before and i wouldn't have yeah it just goes in and out at once as soon time. as it leaves my mouth i've forgotten what i've said in this show <laughs> so joe beats red with the muscle buster cooking a clutch which is the more perplex move of the night uh shelly ran away from joe <laughs> and this is the last we'll see of red until 2009 that's kind of crazy. But, like, you know, he's been a spotty, like, appearances at this point, even. Yeah. Because, like, when Demore took over, there was a bunch of people they brought back. Like, they brought back Shelly, they brought in Joe, they brought back Sanjay. All those people have been sticking around as regulars, and they also brought back Red at that stage, who has not stuck around as a regular. And I think th- the sad thing is, right call. Hmm. It's weird. So that does bring us to the pay-per-view match, in which Samoa Joe defeats AJ Styles for the X Division Championship. And maybe the best match in TNA history to this point? Yeah, well, no, because the cage. I think I prefer Triple X AMW, but this is a pretty strong number two, I think. Well, we gave that five and we gave this four and three quarters, so. Mm. Um, this is, I think, the most physical match in TNA history. They beat the shit out of the each other. The best singles match so far. Oh, easily. Uh, like, Saban Hoovy might be the other best singles match. It might be Daniel's uh, AJ. Yeah, but like, you know, it's it's a thin list at this point. Mm, Nash. Jarrett. <laughs> Jarrett. Watts. Well, yes. But that was, that was, yeah, well, okay, listen, we have to <laughs> focus on my bits. But yeah, super physical, super violent. They beat the living hell out of each other. These two guys at this moment in time are two of the people who have like the most perfect chemistry imaginable or like aj is super bump like made out of rubber bounce off the mat guy (laughs) and Mm. samoa joe is evil monster who will beat the living shit out of anything in front of him and those two things combined at this point in their respective careers where i think arguably this is the best version of joe wrestling the best version of aj and they like they just go out there and have the match you would expect these two to have at this moment with a red hot crowd like the the sacrifice match had some like finished shenanigans with daniels running in none of that this time straight up match between these two as they just kill each other they just kill each other delivers it every way you can imagine um you've often said that like the samoa joe is what aj styles needed to become aj styles Mm -hmm. and it's like we're we're seeing that now yeah this is it because like this version of aj and it's one of the the things i really hate about like talking points about wrestlers in that there would have been a talking point that like this version of aj isn't like tv ready or he's not like what would you could what you would consider a traditional tv wrestling star and that he doesn't do the 20 minute promos he doesn't do a lot of what wrestling was for years and years but you look at like the way aj sells everything in this match like when he hits his drop kick and he pumps himself up or when he gets dropped in his head and he does that like dead eye 30 yard stare like all of the little performance elements of aj styles at this stage are so perfect he is like the best wrestler in the world at this stage you know who like kind of has that vibe for me now Mm -hmm. who's like 
not ready in the traditional senses, but like as soon as he's in the ring, you forget about it. Kyle Fletcher. Mm. It's like a guy who like struggles to promo, but the minute he's in the ring, you start to see why people think that this guy could be a giant star. Yeah. And it's like, I was just thinking of that then because I was thinking about how in Collision it's Fletcher and Danielson this week. And I'm just like, it just has such a similar aura about it. Need Danielson to beat the shit out of him? He's definitely going to beat the shit out of him. (laughs) So let it be known now, I'm saying in uh, 2023 that Carl Fletcher will be as big as AJ Styles. He is the next AJ, yes. If it doesn't happen, you forget that I ever mentioned it. And if it does, (laughs) we victory lap this audio for the next 10 years. Uh, Yeah, and when uh, Mark Davis turns on him, he can be a Samoa Joe and beat the shit out of him. Oh, that match will rule. I'm a bit like I, right now. I love Davis League more than Fletcher. I see why people are like Fletcher's going to be the guy, but Davis is my kind of wrestler, just the rough and tumble, beat the fuck out of you guys. Mm. So I'd be really into that. I do appreciate how like they stuck to the the actual story of the match in the the match itself because like the the first two or three minutes is AJ just wailing on Joe because like the idea is AJ mm-hmm. challenged Joe because oh, yeah, he's match. pissed. He's mad at what he did to he's Daniels. The fire. So like he dominates Joe for the next the first couple of minutes, like taking the fight to him, hits him with a suplex, hits him with the drop kick. The drop kick is like one of the best drop kicks you'll ever see. <laughs> and like that's talking about AJ's style. Yeah, because it's like the drop down float over drop kick, which is always awesome as it is. Is. but one in the way AJ reacted to it as I mentioned like that big pump up moment for him where he hit that drop kick and like you can see the adrenaline is pumping through that man and then you watch the way Joe sold it and that he didn't immediately take a bump for it like he took the drop kick he, he whipped his head back to sell the drop kick and then took like a delayed stagger bump and it looked so good mm. Good shit. Yeah, so then Joe finally got his hands on Styles, turned the tide with some, like, evil strikes. He starts kicking them, and Mike Tanae just starts squealing. <laughs> like, Mike Tanae's like, oh, God! He started squealing. Oh, uh, kicks his leg out in the apron, swings him into the rail, and then, like, you get into what is always my favorite portion in any of these Samoa Joe matches against any of these kind of wrestlers. He can just eat alive, where he does just eat people up and dominate them and beat the shit out of them. And, like, he's gotten more and more into, like, the performance aspect of that later in his career because he can't do as much of the physical aspect of it as he used to be able to do back mm-hmm. here but like he did, when you watch it the same with the MJF match it's like that heat segment with Samoa Joe is like one of the most charismatic heat segments you'll ever see in your life because Joe knows how to eat somebody up more than pretty much like Walter is the only other wrestler who's like, who's like a point of comparison for me in the last 20 years what a perfect little summary mm. AJ looks to fire up with a discus lariat but then Joe just slaps him <laughs> and finishes his face wash Styles breaks out the Fosbury flop for the first Simon Ages as the announcers point that out and then flying forearms him in the back of his head. Styles power bombs Joe <laughs> for two. But it's like Styles is a strong motherfucker. Mm, and like this is the stage where Joe can kind of take bumps like that, but Styles is a freak. He's just a freak. Like, he's like bleeding. Shit's gone crazy. Yeah, he's bleeding from the mouth, which is, is a fun little thing. If you look at the TNA Impact video game, the facial scan of AJ was taken in the me- immediate aftermath of this match. So because he got his lip busted open, if you actually zoom in real close on the AJ Styles character model in the TNA Impact video game, you can see his busted lip from this match. I'm, I'm zooming. <laughs> There's actually a cool featurette in the, um, the, 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 the the actual game, the making of the game, where they show that. They like show, they zoom in on his character model. They're like You can actually see the moment from when his lip was busted because we took his face scan right after this match. <laughs> uh, you can see it. It's, it's real cool. Uh, Joe crushes AJ with a lariat that lands AJ on his head. AJ kicks out at one. Joe hits a tiger bomb. AJ kicks out at one again. 
again. He hits the Styles Clash, but Joe kicks out, goes up for the Spiral Tap, but Joe pushes the ref into the ropes. AJ leaps off the ropes into an O'Connor roll, but Joe pulls him <laughs> into the clutch for the submission victory. Samoa Joe is your new X Division champion. Um, and it just, it feels right. And I like, like, they, like it would have been very easy to put the belt on Joe immediately. Like, we are now six yeah, months. Yeah, they showed some restraint. Yeah, we're now six months into Joe being in TNA, and he is now X Division champion. Like, he ran through the X Division in a way that was, like, really organic. They they were smart that they did the three-way in September so that they could have Styles beat Daniels to avoid beating Joe and put the, push that down the road a little further. And then you get to this match, which really caps off, I think, both men's 2005s. You know, when you think of AJ with the Abyss match, the Daniels matches with uh, the, the Joe and Daniels match, with even, like, the, the world title stuff with the, the King of the Mountain uh, and then the Ultimate X all the way back in January. Like, the, the pay-per-view year AJ has had this year, the, the Sean Waltman match as well, which was really good. Uh, the, the, the pay-per-view year AJ has had this year is fantastic. And then this closes it off. And then you look at, like, the year Joe has had where he comes in as an anniversary, beats Sanjay, looks awesome, has that awesome match with Saban, an awesome match with AJ, an awesome match with AJ and Daniels, a good match for what it is with Jushin Liger, and then starts building up to this match to beat AJ. It's, it's like a real good culmination of both men's years. Yeah, that is kind of like a, a perfect little bow on everything they've done, and it kind of makes sense in that way that it's AJ and Joe who have this moment in the match, and that, like, and that Joe is the guy to beat AJ. Mm. And then to go back to Joe being a little petty bitch in the thing I love more than anything, like after the match, he's won the X title. He's the new champion. Mm-hmm. He's won the match. He pulls AJ up and then just brains him with the belt because he's like, fuck you. But he shakes MJF's hand. That, that drove me nuts. It drove me so nuts. I hate it. I, I, I hate handshakes. In, I hate respect in wrestling these days. I hate it. But the code, the code. I'm so sick of every match ending in a handshake or a hug. I, I want anger. I want people to hate each other. I want Samoa Joe to be mad because MJF beat him. I want him to choke him out after the match and try and get his title shot back. I'm like on my second screen. I have like some random Dusty Rhodes Bruiser Brody match from 1978, mm-hmm. and I'm just like imagining. Yes, after this, these two go to war. They shake hands in the middle of the yeah, ring. Yeah, they hug each other and do a little promo about how much we love wrestling. Fuck off. Like I think there's there's a place for it, mm. but it shouldn't be every match. It's the kind of thing you do like once every two years at the culmination of a like Claudio and Kingston. I actually had no problem with it. Yeah, because that's a gigantic run and a gigantic story. Yeah, that's like the the culmination of that story being a a small show of respect between two men who hate each other makes sense. Like, that's good. That works. But then you do it with Joe and on the same fucking show, because of course they do, because they only have two ideas. But (laughs) you do the same thing with Joe and MJF. Like, fuck off. No, should be mad. He got screwed. He got cheated out of the win. Instead of talking about Dusty real quick, my man has like a golf ball sized welt in the middle of his forehead. From this match or just in general? I think from this match. (laughs) And like his left shoulder just has gig marks all down it. This man is a maniac. Well, he's not called work soft brother Brody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that might have been Dusty's doing the the gig marks. Mm. But yes, Bruiser Brody does not have a, certainly has a reputation. (laughs) Uh, so the post-match angle continues he's beaten down on AJ after the match and Daniels makes his return to make the save he runs wild for a minute but then Joe connects with a headbutt and Daniels staggers back (laughs) it's awesome that he just kills him again yeah so Daniels completely loses his balance Joe starts wailing on him again as security separate them so the angle being that Daniels isn't fully recovered from his concussion so he's returned too soon to get revenge and one headbutt caused his head to go woo 
that and the Danielson 30 minute draw <laughs> yeah in a fun touch Brian Danielson beat Christopher Daniels to keep the ROH title in the main event of the November 19th Ring of Honor show the match went about 30 with Daniels winning with a hard forearm and the finish the idea of the finish was he won with a forearm because Daniels was concussed against Joe so they're they're even playing a little off the the TNA angle in Ring of Honor which I think is fun so there's there's a story about how apparently like even Styles and Daniels didn't love the idea that Daniels did his big comeback and got laid out again mm-hmm. being like that makes the baby face look weak makes joe look too strong daniels looks like a nerd but he's injured <laughs> yeah and I, I think it's a much better story it's a much cooler story that like he did come back he rushed back he wants revenge against this guy that makes him like more of a baby face that like he know he wasn't ready for it but he had to go out there and try and defend his honor and, and stop joe from doing well, to aj what he did to daniels which is like what he was going like, to do that's how you baby face the guy yeah and it's a cooler story that like he hits one head button he's like oh fuck oh fuck <laughs> i'm super concussed um so yeah it's uh also dave refers to the unbreakable match as the 9-11 three-way which listen the match did happen on <laughs> september 11th but you can't just call matches the 9-11 the most match important day. event to ever happen on that day you can't just casually be like oh the 9-11 three-way <laughs> that date's off limits uh, there are several different ideas being batted around for AJ Styles for a January pay-per-view match not limited to Shannon Moore Tiger Mask Black Tiger Ultimo Dragon and even Kenta I like the idea that we have this New Japan relationship but let's bring in Kenta yeah it's like yeah Maybe Kenta. I have no clue what that match is. Is it any of those names? It's not any of those names. It's a certain ace. Oh, yeah. I've seen that match. Go ace. <laughs> if he has that theme, I'll be very shocked. <laughs> I do like immediately after this match, while they're uh, teeing up to go to the main event, like Mike and Don are just at the announce desk being like, this is the fucking best pay-per-view that has ever been presented. <laughs> <laughs> like, we were talking about that um, when we were watching it. Like, that's awesome. And... AEW needs to feel itself more and come across like that during pay-per-views. Like, Mike is like, there is nothing in this industry like a three-hour TNA Sunday pay-per-view. We keep topping ourselves. We got Barbed Wire Massacre. We got that last Samojo AJ match. We are fucking rocking it. <laughs> that, that's the thing, like, I, why is Excalibur and Taz not doing that? You gotta have swagger. You gotta back yourself. Like, like, I get you don't want to end the show with that, but, like, you do it do it on, like, fucking, like, the Forbidden Door is a perfect example. You have Omega Osprey on that show, and you don't just go, fuck yeah, we're the coolest and greatest and the best. Or, like, even, like, after Wrestle Dream, like, after Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., you should be cutting back to that announce yeah. desk. And fair enough, you did have Mox at that desk being like... Mox kind of did it, yeah. <laughs> like, this is the fucking best thing I've ever seen! <laughs> like, yeah, you like, that company like needs to start feeling itself more in that direction because it needs like it, the like uh, perception is reality you know mm. yeah so you have mike and don just like they're telling you and like uh, fair enough you should only do it after you've earned it you like when you have that styles and joe match you yes. can then take your victory lap immediately after yeah if you have saber danielson mm. you can have your victory lap yes pat yourself the back more like as you said perception is reality people will believe it if people will often believe it even when it's not true so when if it when it is true you should be taking your victory lap mm-hmm. uh fuck jared rhino let's do barbed wire massacre <laughs> fuck yeah let's go we'll do it in order of uh the vote <laughs> Oh yeah, because uh, well, actually, Styles and Joe finished third, so it was, yes, we'll, so we, we'll, we, and that will leave at last, and we'll talk about the other stuff. We've already fucked it. Uh, but November nineteenth, Impact. Yes, that is the date. Tanae and West mentioned that Abyss and Sabu will face off in Barbed Wire Massacre. I think it was announced immediately after the turning point, or the Genesis match, that they will rematch again in Barbed Wire Massacre, which I kind of do like how they often do that. They're just like, here's our next pay-per-view matches, immediately, 
Now we're going to start building them. I do like that. Like, I get the idea of naturally progressing the story to the point where you announce a match. But, like, just blanket statement going, boom, this is happening, boom, this is happening, boom, this is happening, can also be really interesting. Mm. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work, like with Rhino Jarrett, where you're like, they just boom announced it and then they can build to a different match the whole month. <laughs> Which is a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. But, that again, that's, that's execution, not the idea's fault. Yeah. So, uh, on that same show, the main event is Rhino versus Abyss. I mean, I was watching this and I was like, damn, Reiner's going to get jobbed out. <laughs> it is funny. Abyss actually loses for most of the month. I don't think it ultimately matters, but Abyss does lose all his matches this month. He's a little Teflon at this point, it feels. Mm. Uh, JB fails to pronounce contest as Abyss is making his entrance for this match. Poor JB. <laughs> Calling him out. Uh, Mike Tanay, which he does multiple times this month, starts going on about how, like, unlike some other companies who have promised barbed wire matches and then didn't even use the barbed wire, we will be using barbed wire at Barbed Wire Massacre. <laughs> Heavy shot at uh, AEW. Yeah, who is that a shot at, though? I still don't even know. <laughs> Well, like, they used, they were saying it about WCW with the first time they did barbed wire. Yeah, they were talking about how they would use fake barbed wire, and we're like, no, fucking real barbed wire. So I'm guessing that's what they were referring to. Still going back to that. I don't remember WCW ever advertising a barbed wire match, though. I, well, he mentioned it. Maybe they did. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates... It's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club 
And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required, keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with UV video lock, search UV video lock. That is E-U-F-Y video lock. Again, that's UV video lock. E-U. FY video lock or visit ufeofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Or maybe it's someone else. I don't know. Talking about CZW. <laughs> Those pussies over in CZW. Uh, Mitchell looks to attack Rhino with his cane. Rhino teases Gorigan, which allows the bitch to cross him on the crotch him on the post. A bitch. bitch. <laughs> that would be a good to, how has nobody used that as a bird on abyss? More like a bitch, am I right? That seems like something Christian will say in 2006. Christian Cage. <laughs> yeah. Rhino pulls a table from under the ring and sets it up in the corner. Rhino goes for the gore, but Abyss moves. Rhino crashes through the table. Abyss then takes Rhino off for the shock treatment. Lights out. Sabu! With his barbed wire chair. This distraction allowed Rhino to hit the gore and win. Which I actually thought was a pretty good finish for, like, getting out of Abyss losing. Yeah, you can always hit the lights and Sabu will show up and... I appreciate, like, it's a distraction finish, so... But at least it does play into the story in that, like, he was just as much afraid of the fact that Sabu had barbed wire as he was the fact that Sabu was there, mm. which is the, the running story through the month. December 26th impact, Jeff Hardy faces Abyss. 
I do not remember a single second of this. They basically did the exact same finish. <laughs> ah, great. Uh, they replayed the Hardy Swanton from Bound for Glory a bunch. <laughs> Bet they wish Abyss just went over. Huh? Mm, so the finish, uh, lights out. Sabu! Hardy uses the chair a couple of times without being DQ'd and hits a twist of fate to win. <laughs> it is just the same finish. Literally huh? identical, but the, the, the reinforcing the same story beat. Uh, I suppose it is all building up to a tremendous bit at the pay-per-view, so mm. I can accept it. And also, like, the next week, we are building up to, like, a, a little story development in the next week because Abyss faces the debuting Kenny King. K-I-N-G King. Mm. Future digital and X-Division champion. Yeah, TNA legend debuting here on the <laughs> December 3rd episode of Impact. I would I would definitely call him a TNA legend. Uh, Abyss did his big press slam, you know, the one where he just throws the guy in the air and he comes back down, but uh, Kenny King turned in the air and took like a back bump. Again, Abyss and Rhino killing people. Mm. And uh, Monty. It's just the, it is the formula and it does work. Uh, Abyss wins with a black hole slam after the match. Mitchell grabs a microphone. He calls Sabu a subliterate monkey, which is a little rude. <laughs> Lights out Sabu. Abyss boots the barbed wire chair out of Sabu's hands and then they brawl around the building including a man that had a cardboard box on his head i assume it's a young chris a kip sabian <laughs> yeah of course like no one acknowledged cardboard box man they just brawled out of the building past them it's like well they didn't acknowledge uh kip sabian for like a year and a half so it's true it's the start of that long-term story exactly uh mitchell asks abyss to use the barbed wire chair and then he does before he choke slams a sabu on a pile of rails backstage <laughs> It's just awesome. So the the little story development there being that uh, Abyss has finally uh, earned his gumption to use the barbed wire. He's he's had sufficient therapy to, to use the barbed wire. They've gotten past it. Mm. Uh, and the closing angle of the Go Home show is one of my favorite little things. So December 8th Impact Primetime Special. Abyss and Mitchell are in the ring. Mitchell talks about how if the barbed wire opens an artery, then you're dead. You're going to bleed out in the mat and die. He's not wrong. He isn't. <laughs> And then lights out Sabu, but not just Sabu. When the lights come back on, all the ropes are replaced by barbed wire, which is a fucking awesome visual. Yeah, it's an awesome visual, uh, even if it's a little dumb. But it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I, I I give it a pass. It's so funny that the work that went into what was ultimately like a, a 10 second shot where it's like, I presume they did this segment, Lights Out, Sabu shows up, runs them off, and then did another one, Lights Out, uh, where they set up the barbed wire and then Lights Out, Sabu shows up with the barbed wire, something like <laughs> that, and then stitching together uh, so that nobody knew what they were shooting when they shot it. But shout out to my man on a Twitter who was like, how did they do that? <laughs> yeah, they actually very, very quickly, they actually had barbed wire within the rope and they pulled the ropes away to reveal the barbed wire while the lights were out. <laughs> yeah, I, that's how I choose to believe. Little do people know, when you actually go Ooh. inside of a, a wrestling ring rope, there's barbed wire there. <laughs> it's not very safe. I don't know why they do it. Feels like, it feels like something that Excalibur should mention. Yeah, it's, uh, sometimes they're like, oh, they're, they're cables, you know, which means hitting them it hurts more. And then other times they're like, actually, you know what? Barbed wire in there. It's, so when they, they can be multi-purpose, they can keep out animals in, in the days they're not being used for wrestling. I mean, I've seen backyard wrestling rings that have had literal wire for the ropes. Mm. So. <laughs> um, see, I, 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 I like, listen, you can be like, it's hokey nonsense. But also, I think it's cool. It looks really cool. I can forgive it even if I think it's a little hokey. That brings us to the pay-per-view. The opening match. Abyss versus Sabu in Barbed Wire Massacre. So there's no ropes. The ropes have been replaced by barbed wire. There are barbed wire items at ringside. It's the tits. <laughs> I mean, it's the fucking tits. It rules. 
and it's awesome, and it's sick, and everyone should watch it. It's four. We had four and a half on this. This pay per view is insane. We had a four and three quarter and a four and a half star match. We were talking about the best singles matches in TNA history. This is also in like the top five. Yeah, I'm told there's a better one. Literally, like seven matches later. It's crazy. Like the consistency that this combination has is insane. Because they're just like there's like this is a barbed wire match, and you'd be like, all right, the barbed wire is bad enough. Like the nastiest part of this match is probably when Sabu just starts stabbing Abyss in the arm with a spike. He goes too far, <laughs> and you can see Abyss go. Fucking stop. (laughs) If you ever look at Abyss's left arm in particular, you'll see scars. And it's not from the barbed wire. It's from that moment where he fucking stabbed the shit out of him with a spike. Yeah. I just, I love that Abyss is is like, even Abyss like broke for a moment was like, fucking man. Dude, stop it. Stop it. (laughs) I like, um, I like that we see Shooter Sabu Mm -hmm. as his pants are ripped and you just see black tights and no knee pads and Boots. Yeah, that's where he starts taking down Abyss and keeping him in the middle of the ring to stay away from the barbed wire. Yeah, I look forward to Sabu and Thatcher in Noah at some point. It's like when Liger's mask is torn, he turns into Kishin Liger. When Sabu's yeah. pants are torn, Shooter Sabu. He turns into Shooter Sabu. That's great. It has all the barbed wire spots you'd expect. Uh, like there's a drop toe hold into the barbed wire. There's a front suplex into the barbed wire. There's a a like this is Sabu goes for like a bicycle kick off of a chair into the barbed wire. <laughs> <laughs> There's some like stupid ass spots in this, mm. and it's awesome. Abyss press slams Sabu onto the barbed wire board, <laughs> and then the finish is Abyss sets Sabu up back to a barbed wire board in the corner and goes for his big like charge. And Sabu steps out of the way. Abyss runs face first into the barbed wire, and then Sabu boots him onto another barbed wire board so that he has barbed <laughs> wire boards on both sides of him. And then Sabu hits a little senton on Abyss's head region and pins him what a finish too like it, it like it's one of those things where it's like it's something little but it feels like it's the culmination of the entire match because it is the truth it's like how, what do you do as a finish in this kind of match that also incorporates the barbed wire and the answer is trap him either side of a barbed wire board and jump on his head yeah i do like that like they have to sit in the aftermath of this because they have to spend time taking the ropes down which actually helps it. yeah but they, they really because they have to spend like 10 minutes like really sitting in the aftermath as you see abyss is being cut out the crowd start chanting abyss and start thank chanting thank you and uh Mitchell is like shouting you conquered your fear you conquered your fear as he like overcame his fear of Barfire so like Abyss lost <laughs> the match and it's again it's one of those things it's like it's not if you lose it's how you lose and Abyss did not lose a single solitary thing through losing this match in fact he probably gained quite a lot from losing this match exactly like this is Abyss has come out of this looking better so far uh, Dave Meltzer gave it two and a half stars <laughs> Fucking dumb idiot. Stupid guy. Doesn't know anything about wrestling. Like, he does say it's not his cup of tea, but they did an effective match. But fuck off with your two and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, this rocks. They've all been good. A great rivalry. And a real under... Like, everyone remembers the Bardwar Massacre because, well, it's great. <laughs> but, like, the Unbreakable and Genesis matches are awesome as well. And then you get the Monsters Ball at Banff for Glory with Hardy and Rhino thrown in as well. It's a real cool little feud here through the end of 2005. Yeah, it's one of those ones... Uh, underserved feud that maybe doesn't get its recognition, which is what we've said about the other matches so far, mm. too. And they do show a, a little backstage segment later of um, Abyss being stitched <laughs> up. There, there's some even worse footage. It's really gross. If, if you have the the um turning point dvd there is some i do that's how i watched yeah this. there is some like even more gruesome <laughs> footage 
yeah. like the one on the pay-per-view is alright, but they actually show him actually being stitched up in the, the DVD extras, and it's like, oh god. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, and Mitchell's like hyping him up, and he actually gives him a hug, which is like, it, it's it's in theory really out of character, but I think it really works for that moment. It's like, oh, it's like he actually gave him a hug. You can also read it as manipulation if you really want It's to. like, yeah, yeah, you lost and you got fucked up in barbed wire, but I'm still your friend, right? Hug? Hug? Yeah, yeah. you need me. Mm. Look at here how I'm here to support you. But in that moment, it felt like a nice little moment. Um, I, I have now switched to just having the WSW show on the second monitor. Mm-hmm. And I've gone from Dusty Rhodes and Bruiser Brody having like a brutal match to Matt Cardona and Eric Young having the most house show affair I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Yeah, you gotta bring them down to get them back up or whatever that thing is that you can work ahead. We're on match. like the third mid-match promo. <laughs> That's very Matt Cardona. Where they're like, they have the, the, the mic. <laughs> it's not even just talking, it's like full mic work. Mm. That being said, I want to put over Eric Young, still has great gear. Yeah, Eric Young's still great in general. Yeah. I mean, like, he's good in this, but it's a house show match that I would rather die than watch live. <laughs> uh, fuck Jarrett and Rhino, let's do Christian and Monty. Yeah! November 19th Impact. If I remember Christian debuted, he turned down the Team Canada offer. He is now at odds with Planet Jarrett, so he makes his Impact debut in the main event segment of that November 19th Impact, where he comes out and he does, like, a kind of version of... He's, he is literally like, for those of you who may not have seen the pay-per-view, allow me to retort. Let me reiterate, I made this choice. <laughs> He gets all his talking points out. He does say retort instead of recap. Like, I don't think he knows what retort means. Maybe maybe, maybe he's responding to something someone said. He doesn't. He just says the same things he said before. Damn. You should tell him to fuck off. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a moment? What a great segment. Can we talk about how Christian Cage is like the best character in pro wrestling in 2023? Because he's just a heel who's actually a heel. Yeah. He's a heel who doesn't want to be cheered. Mm, and it does everything not to be cheered. Uh, he should be world champion. He, honestly. I'm so glad they actually put the actual TNT title on him because he should be champion and a champion all the time. Yeah. Uh, which is, okay, I know it's odd. We could have just, I could say this for the title Tuesday thing, but uh, fuck you. It's my show too. Um, <laughs> like, so Danielson's beating Swerve mm-hmm. because you're not going to do Swerve Christian because mm-hmm. like, you're not turning Christian, and maybe, I mean, maybe they're turning Swerve? Mm-hmm. That seems weird. What are they doing, Garrett? Make your prediction. I think Ed screws Christian out of the match with Danielson. Danielson, TNT champ. Uh, yeah, then that would make sense. Then he can, then he's, uh, like, you know, weekly matches, stream match series will have some stakes behind yeah, him. Yeah, he can do the open challenge, which is their favorite game. Which, honestly, Danielson doing an open challenge kind of based. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get mad on that. Mm. Just taking on, like, random guys from fucking Mexico and Japan. Also, I'm just very pleased at the idea of getting a Danielson Christian match in general. Yeah, again, awesome. I also, like, we're finally gonna get Ishii and Danielson. We better. Then for the TNT title and, like, a Dynamite. And then Tom wins. It's gonna do 500,000 viewers but i'm gonna fucking love it give it 10 stars so christian does uh, the same version of the problem basically he's here to get the respect he deserves he wins he's here to win the nwa title and he doesn't care if the boys in the back have a problem with that one boy in the back does the alpha male monty brown <laughs> the idea of calling the alpha male a boy <laughs> oh this guy this little this little fella the alpha boy monty brown the alpha boy feels very different doesn't it the astro boy mm. monty brown the astro bot wow I was watching, um, I was doing, like, you know, the, the Twitter gimmick that was, like, put your birth year when you're 10 or whatever the fuck and, like, wrestling and then see what gif comes up. Mm-hmm. Let it be known. Monty, Gra- Monty Brown gif. Uh, you would have been 10. Oh, it would have been, like, an ECW gif? Mm-hmm. So it's a Marcus Corvon gif? Right? Nitpick. <laughs> 
I was very excited, okay? Good. I have a Nintendo and 2. I probably wouldn't get a TNA gift. Do it. Just see what happens. Uh, What do you do? You open Giphy? Gif, and then you just write, like, uh, year WWE or year... I wrote year wrestling. That's how I got it. 2002. Oh, I, I just typed 2002, and I got a Kurt Angle ankle-locking Rey Mysterio gif anyway, so... <laughs> there you go. There you go. SummerSlam 02 is the defining moment of my 10 years on Earth. What if I just write 2007? What comes up? <laughs> a portal meme <laughs> this is a triumph do, 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 do. Song. so yeah monty comes out he's, he makes a big screeching noise he's like Aah! and then tells Kristen to hit the brakes i like it good stuff <laughs> then suggests that the quantity of speech liam is not always indicative of the quality of thought <laughs> which makes a lot of sense when it's monty brown talking. monty is very very uh pithy He's known for his short, <laughs> impactful promos, and not his long-winded ones that are overly wordy. <laughs> but, like, that's self-awareness. Mm. Garrett, big update. Eric Young has defeated Matt Cardona. Hell yeah. It is non-title because Matt Cardona lost the WSW world title to Sean Spears last night. Oh, ten, ten, ten. Uh, that could be a new Team Canada. Sean Spears and Eric Young? Yeah. I think you could do a better Team Canada than that, personally. <laughs> Oh, the chairman. Monty says Christian is not one to give fashion advice because of his Bob the Builder boots. And he called him out for the Labor Day comment. Yeah, he's like, fuck you and your, your fashion advice, Bob the Builder. This will not be the last we'll hear of Bob the Builder this month. Hell yeah. I appreciate Bob the Builder being a, a talking point in 2005 TNA. Can he fix it? Like, yes, he can. Whoa. Is he Obama? Yes. Whoa. Monty was wearing a tremendous shiny shirt himself, so he could give out about fashion. He's a fashionable man. That's one thing he can strike people down on. He wore that awesome yellow turtleneck that time mm-hmm. this is his best look probably mm. monty lays down for no man monty's about to hit the pounce period line but then christian cuts him off before he can say period mike tenay is like he didn't let him say pounce let alone period <laughs> christian then suggests there is something erotic about monty liking to pounce men which does pr- prompt the crowd chanting monty's gay so we're a little homophobia here in ah, 2005 it's, it's good it's good good good, good. comedy uh, they brawl, but Christian makes the mistake of whipping Monty toward the ropes. He gets reversed and then he gets his ass pounced on his impact debut. Hell yeah. Uh, like, again, Christian being one of these guys that actually knows how to do things, making Monty look strong in that first night. Mm, and knowing he'll be fine, but it's important. Like, he's beating Monty, so he needs Monty to look good in the month building up to it. Uh, November 26th impact, Monty Brown squashes Helvis. Crowd chant, we want Christian, hits the pounce for the win. That's the, the Morphoplex move of the night, which multiple times this month, the Morphoplex move of the night is in the first match and I'm like how did you not know there would be a better move later in the night uh, because they paid to be mentioned in the first segment <laughs> when probably the most people are watching because they're paying $200,000 yeah uh, Tanae then did hit the line Helvis has left the building it's a great line well done Mike that might be my, that might be my Morphoplex comment of the month <laughs> does that get it added to the intro yes can you can you put that like after the full intro so like it's the whole thing and then it just goes Helvis has left the building sure <laughs> and then it cuts us uh, franchise has Christian later in the show Christian isn't going to run for Monty in fact he asked for a match against Monty Brown at turning point he's hunting the Serengeti at turning point he's hunting a, a land mass <laughs> yeah it's a very large land mass as well he might not be able to find what he's looking for you know if this feud was happening during like COVID it definitely would have done a cinematic match oh where he actually goes hunting for Monty Brown yeah uh, I think Christian and Monty would have made that work Christian and Monty could make that work yeah <laughs> 
So Gale comes up and says Christian aligned himself with the wrong people. AMW also walk up. They say he's not getting anywhere near the title as they they pumped in like they they didn't do this for any other promo except this one. But they pumped in a, like a weird amount of fake boos and cheers here for everything Christian and AMW said, and they like like response boos where like Storm would say something and they're like boo. <laughs> Very weird. A lot of weird stuff going on. It did feel like the kind of thing they were trying out for one week and they were like, nah, that's stupid. Uh, December 3rd Impact. We bizarrely get a segment that revolves around Jeff Jarrett and Christian during a month when neither man are wrestling each other. I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, should we do the Rhino Jarrett stuff at the same time? No. <laughs> Fuck them. You don't want to just... I mean, it's like four things. <laughs> run through it. Absolutely not. We'll finish Christian first. We'll talk about the Jarrett Jackie. I don't... I just don't want to talk... I, I don't even want to talk about the Jackie Gator stuff. Christian and Jarrett talk to each other. We'll talk about it later. Get to the match. Yeah, they did... Like, they did basically the segment you would expect these two to do as, like, their first face-off we segment. Can, we can get into detail with the other one. It's more of a Jarrett thing than it is a Christian thing. That's true. Uh, then go-home show of the primetime special. <laughs> It's just a weird... I mean, like, it makes sense because Bobby Roode and Christian had the moment, but it's like, I thought this was going to be the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, Christian against Bobby Roode. It was, like, it makes a, a, an amount of sense that, like, obviously he turned his back on Team Canada at the pay-per-view, so we'd wrestle a Team Canada guy at the next pay-per-view. But I guess they, they wanted to start him against, like, an upper mid-card act, of which Bobby Roode is not. So, uh, and Monty is. So that's probably why they, they chose mm-hmm. Monty over Bobby Roode. Fair uh, enough. And it's a good TV main. Yeah, this is Christian's first TV match. It's the main event of their Thursday primetime special as well. Christian's first TV match. So that's a decent hook for that. And the match was fine. It was a perfectly fine TV match. Yeah, it was a professionally worked professional wrestling match. Mm. The ref was bumped. Christian got a visual pin on a reverse DDT. Monty runs out and jumps Christian. Monty goes for the pounce. But Christian ducks and Monty pounces Scott Demore instead. Christian crotches Rude with the hockey stick and then falls with the unprettier for the win. But then Monty pounces Christian once again after the match. Again, Christian giving Monty the shine heading into the match. Mm, which does bring us to the turning point in which Christian does defeat Monty Brown. It's a solid match. Yeah, earlier in the show, Monty does a promo where he's talking to a Bob the Builder plushie. <laughs> I didn't know Bob the Builder was so big in the US. Uh, I guess 2005, I suppose so. Because, like, that song, like, charted in the UK. Mm. I mean, like, it was huge here. So, yeah, and it's the usual stuff. Yeah, I will not be leapfrogged, you will feel the pounds. And there's some Jared stuff that we'll talk about in a minute. But the, the, the match itself, uh, Christian and Monty, uh, a good, professionally worked match. Christian bumps his ass off, to be fair. He, like, he does bump all over the place for a guy like Monty. He really wants to make Monty feel decent, even though he's losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hits a big crossbody from the top to the floor. Uh, he also hit a frog splash, which I believe is he starts incorporating into his offense only now after the the death of Eddie. You saw that busted out at um the dub, the great derby match too. Oh, and yeah, to the floor onto the onto the the, the stretcher. That match was so good. Yes, it's always it's nice to see Christian deliver too, because like you know he's a great character, but like sometimes the matches can be kind of dull, and like that was one of those affairs where it was like all the right smokes and mirrors and made it made it into sort of the chaotic mess that you'd hope for it to be. Mm. So Christian hit that frog splash but when Monty kicked out but he kicked out strong enough that sent Christian onto Rudy uh, Monty hit the alpha bomb but because Rudy was slow to get into position Christian kicked out so it wasn't quite a visual pin but the, the implication was he might have gotten three if Rudy wasn't bumped briefly uh, Christian hit the unprettier for the win Christian beats Monty Brown sets himself on a path toward Jeff Jarrett or Rhino who could win that main event nobody knows <laughs> Christian Rhino next paper. I also want to keep doing the bit of fuck Jarrett Rhino, but I guess we have to do Jarrett Rhino. <laughs> nah, I reckon we talk about Raven and Larry's Zabisco. Yeah, Raven Larry time. 
Everyone's favorite angle. There you go. Let's talk about it. I've, I've marked it off on red. We have to. November 19th. Larry, Jared is in Larry's office. Jared thought they had a deal done. Larry books Jared against Rhino for the pay-per-view. Uh, I like the way we're talking about it. But, but the point is, the, the way this ties into Raven is uh, like my favorite little thing where Jared's like, what about Raven's rematch? He didn't get his rematch. <laughs> I like how it's not hey, Raven should have this match. It's... We should not be giving people rematches. Yeah, it's like, are you giving Rhino a rematch? You didn't give Raven a rematch. What about Monty? He never got another match. Exactly. And, but, like, I like that it's kind of a perfect excuse for Jared to make, because there's no way in hell that Larry Zabisco is going to be like, yeah, you're right, let's give Raven the match. Because mm, he hates Raven. So, like, so technically he can get away with making that point in this, like, one particular circumstance. There is, like, a percentage more goofery to just Jared Rain. That I do appreciate. It's infinitely better than the last one. Like this kind of stuff where like it's good heel stuff to be booked in a rematch against Rhino. And you're like, well, what about Raven? (laughs) Plus it's funny because it's the catchphrase. Yeah. So then November 26th Impact, Raven and Larry have a feature. Larry then has a a new release for Raven to sign. Raven refuses. So Larry books him in a House of Fun match next week against unnamed opponents. (laughs) I love that match. So it's the main event of the December 3rd Impact. It is Raven versus all three of the Diamonds in the Rough. In a House of Fun match. I love this match. It's just dumb, stupid <laughs> shit. And I love that Larry is still trying to get the man to just leave. Mm. Like, he's tried like seven times now. <laughs> yeah, because at the start of the match, he offers Raven a, ch- Raven a chance to sign his release again. Raven's like, again. I'll only do it if I can sign it in your blood. <laughs> Which is a great line. Uh, Larry snipes about his girlfriend and then Raven lunges at Larry again. Then Larry introduces all of the diamonds in the rough as Raven's opponents. Which is like, you see that and you kind of think that Raven's just going to win. Mm. <laughs> and then he doesn't. Yeah, he gets beaten by the diamonds in the rough. They're really on a run of form here at the moment. Until the pay-per-view. Well, because, you know, they're, they're building up to the big pay-per-view match. Uh, they set Raven up on crutches so that he's standing up so that Skipper can drop kick a trash can into his head. Awesome. Uh, they pull him up on a pin and then Larry gets the release again and says sign the release or the and then they'll pin you or whatever and then they cut Raven open with a stapler uh, Cassidy Riley tries to make the save but gets shut down and Larry once again demands sign the release Raven refuses so they throw him through a table on the floor and pin him good stuff you went real low on this I thought it was a fine little plunder match but not the special I just thought it was like a good change of pace from the TV main events mm. Uh, you're back on the Raven train after months being off the Raven train. I'm, I'm thinking I'm just like against his booking more than I am against <laughs> Raven. Uh, primetime special December 8th. Larry is begging Raven to sign. <laughs> he's He's gone from demanding to just like, please. <laughs> Raven's like, give me a title match. It's like, you can't get a title match. You lost last week. Losers don't get title matches. Be career best title. Uh, Larry has another mystery opponent for Raven, Raven at Turning Point. And that mystery opponent is who better than Kanye? Who better than K? Yeah, Chris K. <laughs> Apparently, there's, there's like a whole thing that like he was like, eh, maybe you can use Canyon, but then they're like, no, we don't think we can. So you're Chris K because his uh, his shoot name begins with K. So I guess that's how they yeah. can get away with it. That uh, he is in fact Chris K. They should have made it Chris with a K. He, uh, it's call forward to Caleb with a K. Ooh. No, I just meant like <laughs> the actual word Chris. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. Uh, Chris with a K and Caleb with a K is the continuity in TNA history. There was the same deal as always. Larry's like, sign. Raven is like, no. Raven is like, you're a game show answer to a question nobody has ever asked, which is like a great burn. <laughs> the Raven's one line is like kind of still like heat. Yeah. Uh, the match, it's, it's fine. Uh, Canyon bumps a lot. It's a good little match. Yeah, it's a nice little like seven minute match where uh, Canyon is very clearly like working for a job. This is his only TNA match, I think. Um, but obviously it doesn't get one. 
He would have been fun in the X Division as a guy who like innovated a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, the kind of guy you just throw into the scrambles and into the, the wacky matches. Yeah, a guy for like an Ares or a Shelly to beat. Mm. And like obviously these two have history going back to the flock, going back to WCW. So there, there's a, a little layer you have to add in these two. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you and your love of WCW. <laughs> I wish it was Kidman. <laughs> now that I'm saying that Kidman was like talked about, that'd be fun. Yeah, because uh, apparently Canyon was offered to do it last month when Justin Credible did it. And he was like, no, I want more money. And then they were like, no. <laughs> Next month he's like, yeah, okay, I'll take it. I'll, I'll do it for fucking anything. Um, but the alternative would have been Billy Kidman, apparently. Um, but Billy Kidman would have been cool. Billy K uh yeah canyon working super hard like he he gets a knee lift and he takes like a full bump over the ropes for it and then gets hip tossed down the ramp it is kind of surprising that he doesn't get like more dates he was good here mm. uh, raven power bombs canyon on a chair and follows with the raven effect for the win larry comes back and demands raven sign the release raven and larry start brawling i'm reading this kidman story and i don't understand it. yeah there's something about him no showing a show in winnipeg and something about abandoning tory wilson in australia <laughs> but i don't know the context of what dave is saying so i it's like it's, it's written so poorly it's the classic one he doesn't explain what he means i assume it's an older observers i didn't look it up and two as yeah. you said it's written in dave so it's so impossible to parse i believe the other alternative was the debut billy kidman but kidman is another one of those guys on the you can't trust him to show up list after blowing winnipeg and causing tory Wilson to rush home from Australia, so who knows? <laughs> Kenyon told TNA that they could just use his name, but when asked to change his spelling to Kenyon, just in case. Yeah, that, like, that, that sentence is horrific. The man needs an editor. To this day, <laughs> did you see the fucking Hall of Fame list? Which one? The one like they like they announced like the Hall of Fame candidates, mm-hmm. and it, Rick and Scott Stein. <laughs> I was like, no one proofread it. <laughs> It's only the, the most influential publication in wrestling. It's fine. No one needs to proofread it. Pay an editor. <laughs> I think he does have an editor. <laughs> Get a new one. <laughs> All right. We'll finally do Jarrett Rhino. No. We're committing to the bit at this point. All right. 3D AMW then. Yep. And then we're going to Aries and Bentley. <laughs> we can close on Jarrett Rhino. There, there is a rule. Jarrett Rhino and then 4LK drama. Okay. Team 3D weren't here for most of the month because they were in old Japan. <laughs> November 19th, AMW faced Sonny Siaki and Apollo. I never wanted to die more than in this match. <laughs> well, this is the last time you will ever watch Sonny Siaki. Uh, do I remember when, please? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, do you remember when Sonny Siaki sex? Yeah. Tell me about it. He was in Sports Entertainment Extreme. Um, he was an extremely attractive man, which is the thing he mostly has going for him. I don't even think he's like hot. Wow. TBH. Way to take away the one thing Sonny Siaki actually has. Do you remember when Flying Elvises? Probably the best thing he did, honestly. Yeah. Do you remember when <laughs> his, his wife... <laughs> yeah, the Desire program? Yeah. Broke her back and then came back and had one match and disappeared again? Do you remember when he was owned by Goldilocks? I do. He's all, like, But who isn't, to be fair? Mm. I'm going through every Sonny Siaki match. There's so many. <laughs> he was ex-champ. He was. Do you remember Sunny Siaki versus the Sandman? No. <laughs> Pay-per-view main event? Whoa. <laughs> do you remember Vampire Warrior versus Sunny Siaki? I do remember that one. Do you remember the second Sunny Siaki versus the Sandman <laughs> I match? I remember the first. Do you remember Sunny Siaki and Ekmo? Mm, oh yeah, they're, they're a little team they had going for them. Probably like the 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 one of the bigger missed opportunities. There was something there. Sure. They had that cool press slam into a cutter, which ended up being Yuya Mora's and uh, Joe Hendry's finish. I wonder where they big Sunny Siaki. They've been watching their tapes. Yeah. Do you remember Simon Diamond? No, he's still around. Team, you teamed up with him before he became Irish Pat Kenny <laughs> when both had nothing to do. Yeah. 
He just it's just so many Pat Kenny and Sonny Siaki versus Swinger and Gilberti <laughs> matches. Do you remember when he feuded with Abyss? I don't think he feuded with Abyss. I think he had a lot of TV matches with Abyss that he lost. I think it was during the Goldilocks thing, though. Do you remember when he teamed with Johnny B. Bad? During Johnny B. Bad's wonderful TNA run that you loved? Do you remember when he fucked off? That's right now. Yeah, good. <laughs> Follow went for a slingshot crossbody, but Storm smashed him with a bottle midair, then handcuffs bumped by a punch by Harris to Siaki, followed by a death sentence, put Siaki away. Um, I guess the, like, the biggest thing about Siaki, and we've said it before, but it's his goodbye, so we can say it again. Just the guy who was probably miscast most of his career. Mm, as he should have been a power junior instead of like a, a nerd heavyweight. Because he showed signs of that whenever he got to interact with those guys specifically. Yeah, if you ever want to see like the best case for what Sonny Siaki could have been, watch the Victory Road 2004 gauntlet. Where when he comes out, he has a minute of just throwing around X Division guys and you're like, holy shit, there's something there. And he also had that like multi-man in the asylum mm. where he was just like throwing lariats and fucking looking like Shingo yeah so there's like because he's yet signed to a W developmental deal here so like he, he is moving in theory up in the world lord knows what I, well I know what they see with him he, he look at him but uh yeah again eh. <laughs> <laughs> nothing for cocky Siaki but yeah that's that's the end of Sonny Siaki his best friend his best friend was probably the desire run. honestly he, he's the guy who's like I was never like super hot in Siaki, but I did have like that little thought as like there was more for Siaki there in the back of my head. And after watching three years of Siaki, I don't really think that anymore. No, a, a, a realization has dawned upon us. He, he is a, a mid card jag, and that's how he was booked his entire run. And that frankly is probably his level. Shoutouts to ABC versus the Velocities. I was looking at it at the quarter mile. Looked fucking sweet. Mm, too sweet, some might say. They're doing a ton of shit. Hell yeah, as one may expect. He's Austin. Great look on it. Yeah, great gear. I was thinking of that was when I was watching the, the country whipping match, or the, the fans' revenge got, even from Impact this week. They got a all black gear now. Yeah, it looks great. It looks amazing. Mm. You know who he looks like? Who? He looks like Jacked Devitt. <laughs> even more Jacked that Devitt. That literally was the thought I had as I was watching Impact this week, because they wear that gear in the match against uh, John Skyler and Jay Vidal. Oh, like, Garrett, I'm so sorry. We're showing respect right now. We're shaking hands, because we just had such a great match together. Boo! Punch each other! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Your boys have betrayed you. <laughs> Imagine AMW versus ABC. They would have a great match. <laughs> they would have an awesome match. We get some AMW against Sanjay and Sabin coming up that I'm looking forward to revisiting. Mm-hmm. Similar essence. Mm. Uh, so AMW set up a table in the corner and spray paint 3D on it. They paint the three and then Don was like, astutely observes, it's not A, B, or C next. Oh my god! Ties it all together. <laughs> They're calling out the ABC! <laughs> <laughs> they do spray paint the D, then they go to death sentence Siaki through the table with 3D make the save and AMW bail. Bubba says that AMW know nothing about using a table, so he's talked to Larry Z. I think they know something about using a table. I think we've all used tables to some extent in our life. Also, like, they're like mean brawler guys. I can probably work it out. Yeah. In a pro- wrestling context i think they put people through tables before um is wsw just an impact show <laughs> they do have a, a lot of impact guys as kazarian is now coming out mm, he's yeah. talked to larry z and it'll be amw versus team 3d in a tables match at turning point and then they throw the table at they, they like pick it up and launch it up the ramp at amw <laughs> it's it's a good it's like they're like we got a gift for you <laughs> i was like god damn mm. Just hurl it. AMW should have protested and said we should have a handcuff match. Why do they get their favorite weapon and we don't? Or beer bottle. Beer bottle match, yeah. 
They've done that, haven't they? They have put beer bottles on poles. Yeah. The beer bottle is, like, maybe the per- most perfect pro wrestling weapon. Mm. Like, it's visually distinct, it's big, it looks brutal. It's safe as fucking houses. Yeah, like, the in that, like, the, the bump Apollo took, where he's, like, slingshot crossbodying over the ropes, and Storm just hits him in the head mm. with a beer bottle. It's so good. I, I wonder if, like, Storm did that for, like, had the idea for that for the first time, was like, I've, I've made it. Mm. <laughs> I've got the rest of my career right now. Also, I, I do appreciate, like, early in the beer bottle run, I think part of the reason they did the beer bottle like that is because you do it on the outside, the evidence is, like, already gone. Mm-hmm. Which they care less about later, about, like, why is there glass all over the ring? Yeah. Uh, I, I always, like, I, the, what they did last month when they were, like, it could have been a fan. Mm. You don't know that a fan didn't just throw that in the yeah, ring. no proof. Um, December 3rd, Impact AMW are with Terry Taylor. Uh, Harris pulls Terry down on the chair next to him and makes it and makes a cracking noise, and he's like, what the fuck, you're breaking a furniture terry <laughs> like, you gotta save that for the pipe they're yeah they know how to break chairs not tables exactly they're reliving the team 3d funeral they're watching it on a monitor like t3 used to be the best but now amwr and they're gonna beat team 3 at their own game t2d invented the tables match but amwr going to perfect it and then good today later notes that 3d aren't there because they're currently wrestling in the real world tag league in all japan where they beat aki bono and keiji muto in the final to win the tournament what a team. There was an issue this past week involving Team 3D. They were scheduled to be a major part of the tapings leading into Turning Point. However, the booking committee did not get word until the day before that they were in Japan for the Real World Tag League. There was a major miscommunication on the issue. They went to Japan and worked the All Japan event, as well as the Cork and Hall the next day. And then Team 3D was said to be told by TNA officials that they were needed for the taping, but given a date of uh, November 22nd. So they left Japan, flew back to America, where there was nobody there at Universal. <laughs> And then flew back to Japan. That must be the most annoying thing. <laughs> to fly all the way back to America. Get there. Realize there's nothing going on. And like, alright, guess I'm going to get back on the plane. <laughs> One report not confirmed was that they actually went to Orlando and the building on November 22nd and found nobody there. <laughs> That's insane. And then they were back in all Japan to finish up the tour. And they, yeah, they did Sasaki and Nakajima. It's a cool match. <laughs> As you said, the idea of like all the way there, getting to Universal Studios, and there just being nobody there is so funny. Imagine how pissed you would I would be. be fucking right. And then you have to get on a plane and just go back to Japan. Yeah. So go deal with Mudo. Mm. May our opener of the primetime special, AMW and Jeff Jarrett defeated the Naturals and Jeff Hardy. The Naturals and Jeff Hardy is a natural tag team, to be fair. I thought that, like, I like this match. It was, uh, like, the classic... It's like Jeff Hardy teaming with himself from, like, ten years earlier. Yeah, and it's, like, it's just a classic higher-energy trios match. It's eight minutes, guys doing spots. It's exactly what you want out of a TV opener. And they write, they write off Jeff, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, the last time we'll see Jeff Hardy until, until 2010, because AMW uh, have a, a table for 3D that says reserve for 3D but then they 3D Andy Douglas through it so I'm like it, it wasn't reserved for the 3D it was reserved for Andy Douglas maybe it was reserved but they weren't there so <laughs> they had to give the table away it's restaurant rules mm. <laughs> that is how it works yes <laughs> You gotta put the next customer to the table. My favorite part of this match is Jarrett's hair immediately turns green from the crowd brawling with um with envy. He does fear Jeff Hardy's charisma and connection to the to an audience. Imagine like, how good Jeff Jarrett would be if he had Jeff Hardy's charisma. <laughs> This matches might be actually good and compelling. That brings us to turning point in which uh, AMW faced Team 3D in a tables match. Before the match, <laughs> Team 3D did a promo with franchise being like, we won the real world tag league. We'll put AMW through a table and Bully actually said the word Dudley in it. So he's probably going to copyright too. Um, I kind of love this match. Mm-hmm. It's goofy. <laughs> 
Because we, we did talk about how the Genesis match was kind of built around guys not going through tables. Yeah, and so is this. And they double down on it in sillier ways here. But, like, it should be. Like, this is like this is how a table match should be worked. Yeah, it is basically the psychology of a tables match where you're, you're like, the, the rules of this one are, are both members of the team have to go through a table. So uh, it's basically two, Garrett, two tables. If, um, you know, when, sorry, uh, we get funding and we get to run our shows. And we'll be doing a tables match where the rules are you can use as many tables as you want. Mm, the classic tables are legal. Yes, yes. Tables yes. are legal, which is the best version of the tables match. Where you can do 15 tables bumps. You're just going to find people crazy enough to do it. <laughs> yeah. So as you said, the, this match is, is a little bit silly. Like, one of the spots is AMW whips Devon toward the table, but then Bubba spears Devon to, like, intercept him from going through the table. <laughs> Bubba goes to Superplex Harris through a table. Storm moves it. Storm tries to Frankenstein Bubba through a table. Devon moves it. Walks into a last call. 3D Death Sentence Storm through a table. Actually ends up giving Storm a stinger. He stretchered out. <laughs> and then 3D Harris at the, at the top of the ramp through a table for the win. Uh, they do show Storm being helped out by security. What about you, Face? Mm-hmm. Men extended him after the match and helped him to the back, but uh, uh, the torch reports he suffered a neck stinger. Uh, yeah, the, like it's it's not like a, a great heated pay per view match or anything. It's not the best tables match you'll ever see. It's not the best match you'll ever it's see. It's a good cooldown for what's about to happen immediately after it. Yeah, I think this pay per view on the whole is pretty pretty well darn paced because you have the two like big runaway hit matches. This. This is probably in the top five of TNA pay-per-views so far. Yeah, the, the, the one I was thinking about is probably like Final Resolution, mm. which had like the, the AMW Team Canada match. It had the Ultimate X. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. And then I was thinking, I think this might be number two. Yeah, it's better than Unbreakable. Mm. It's better than Sacrifice. Yeah. It's better than No Surrender. Mm. It's better than Slam. It's better than Hard Justice. Yeah. Better than Lockdown. It's definitely better than Destination X. <laughs> Which is maybe their worst show. Yeah. It's better than Against the Odds. Mm. I think fi- I think I'd put Final Resolution ahead of it. I think it might have it at November 2. Not to reveal our end of year awards, which will come with the January episode. But... I don't... It might be... It might be better than Final Resolution. But, like, they're, they're on par with each other. And it peaks higher here. I would, I, yeah, I'd have to go back and look at the undercard of Final Resolution to be like... Mm, There's mm. some ones and three quarters in there. Whereas <laughs> this one is, like... Three. Like, like everything other than the two big matches is like three, three, two, five-ish. Yeah. And like the Four Life Crew thing was like breezy. Mm. And at a good angle for once. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It, it's a it's a top of contendor. Good. We're approaching the, the ending of the year. Yeah. As I said, we'll have to do our end of year awards along with the January episode. So we have a, a few weeks of TV left. This is the two. And also how appropriate as we're approaching Turning Point in 2023. Mm. Uh, fuck Jarrett Rhino. Let's do Aries and Bentley versus Shelly yeah, Strong. Fuck yes. Let's do it. Which is funny. Like we're building this up and like that one's going to be like three seconds long because it was all videos. Yeah. Yeah, so there was a, an X Division match on TV. <laughs> this, I, I just realized, yeah, this is the match where we're just going to talk about X Division on TV. <laughs> yeah, there was a four way. It was Saban, Shelly, PD, and Aries on the December 3rd episode. It was a nice little match. Sure. Uh, the most notable thing about the Shelly matches this month is, of course, we mentioned it earlier, Shelly has the, the Shelly cam now, so he's coming out with a, a tripod-mounted camera that he sets up at ringside to film the matches, which I kind of love to know, what, did that tape ever exist anywhere? Ooh, do you think they sprung to actually film it? <laughs> yeah, it was probably just they set the camera up so they could film the, the preview screen. Kayfabe's dead. But, um, yeah, this is the beginning of the paparazzi productions character, the, the, the probably one of Shelly's more beloved periods, is particularly in this run. Uh, the, so we're heading into paparazzi production. Alex Shelley, mm-hmm. which is it's fun. like when Russo comes in, you see a lot of quote unquote characters forced on the X Division. You see like the Guru Sanjay Dutt and the Black Machismo Jay Lethal and the little PD Pump stuff, where they're trying to force characters on the X Division guys, as opposed to like the 
Paparazzi production stuff was like much more organic and a much more like natural way to bring out Shelley's personality than also like relevant. <laughs> yeah, and like the true to who he was because the idea here is that like the, the genesis of the character, the turning point of the character study. is that is that he does he does tape study. Yeah, he, he wants to study all the matches. He wants to like look at all his opponents. He wants to learn their moves. He wants the bird's eye view. So he sets up his own camera. And it makes sense for him. Don wanted Saban to step on Petey's crotch to as return for the O Canada. Get some revenge for America. <laughs> uh, Shelley did the scissor stomp, which did prompt a that was gay chant. So a, little, a lot of homophobia in the impact zone this I, month. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah. Your classic finish of PD hits the Destroyer, but then gets caught in the Cradle Shock for the win. And the Cradle Shock is your Morphoplex move of the night. We're actually, we can pay 200 grand by Morphoplex to actually mention this. I fucking wish. <laughs> We've mentioned Morphoplex enough that they should be giving us Let's money. Let's contact them. So that's that's kind of Saban getting his win back after he lost to AJ the, the week before. Which does bring us to the pay-per-view, in which there is just a pretty throwaway tag. It's Aries and Bentley <laughs> against Shelly and Strong. It's a match that exists. It's fun. My favorite part of it is that Strong at one stage takes a bump to the floor and nearly hits the camera. Shelly sets up and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Today mentions, I'm not sure if you heard this, that Matt Bentley is Shawn Michaels' cousin. Since when? Well, I knew Michael Shane was Shawn Michaels' cousin. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Because that makes sense because it's his name backwards. That's how cousins work. But now I've been told that Matt Bentley is too. So that, that's an interesting thing. How many cousins does this guy have? <laughs> They're all wrestlers. Matt Bentley and Michael Shane cousins? Then, no, I don't think they're related. I think it's a different cousin. Different cousin once removed. Different branch of the family. Yeah, crowd are Bentley bouncing, having a great time. <laughs> of course, Bentley pins Shelley with the head-on collision, so he's going to be wrestling Brian Danielson any day for the TNT title. Yeah, perfectly fine match. Nothing special. It's just fun to see these guys popping up still. That brings us Base to Base Brawl, a brand that GFW would still keep until like 2015. I don't, I, all of this is lost on me, man. <laughs> Like, like it, it is very funny that, like, the very design of it, we'll talk about there's some controversy about it, about whether they should have done it, uh, uh, but, like, the very design by Mike Tanay, who apparently put a lot of this together, is that, like, a lot of people might not give a shit about the baseball stuff, so I'll get Bobby there so that everyone else will give a shit. And, like, that that worked on me. It's like, I don't give a fuck about AJ Brzezinski. Bobby Heaton being here is cool. I just thought it was weird. So, we mentioned uh, on the December 3rd impact, Bobby Heaton just shows up and says hello to Don West. He's here because the Chicago White Sox will be honored next week on impact. So, primetime special, there's a segment in the ring. Mike Tanay is in the ring with AJ Styles, Chris Haven, and Sanjay Dutt. TNA says 2005 will be remembered for the year of impact on Spike. It will be remembered for the X Division, and it will be remembered for the White Sox winning the World Series for the first time in 88 years. Bunch of fucking losers. 88 Suck. years? Uh, I, I gotta watch Moneyball again. <laughs> Just learn about baseball? Yeah, well, so that movie's awesome. And as we know, I'm a sports movie guy, apparently. I've never been a baseball guy. I mean, who can be? It's so fucking boring. I went to a Blue Jays game. The back end of a Blue Jays game once. So I've, I've attended a baseball game. But yeah, it's, it's just cricket, but worse. Um, and cricket sucks too. So today introduces Bobby Heenan, Dale Torborg, the Demon, and AJ Krasinski. <laughs> I hope they called him the Demon in baseball. But he's only like a conditioning coach, isn't he? Like he, like he wasn't a successful <laughs> baseball player. What the fuck? I assumed he won. But yeah, the, 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 he's the son of a baseball coach, Dale Torborg. Um, I'm sorry, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> and he kind of flopped as a young baseball player and then went into wrestling and became the Kiss Demon. Where's Eric Watts? That's true. What does he have to do with Kiss? Oh no, he had all the baseball friends. You're right. Yeah. Eric Watts returning in the base, bro. <laughs> So, like, they got a good reaction, but I think it was, like, 95% for Bobby, and then 5% for the other two. 
Uh, they're all very happy. They present some bats and a jersey to the exhibition guys. AJ is about to also present something to the baseball lads, but Simon Diamond interrupts and he's aghast that we're presenting awards to baseball people on this wrestling show. Disgusting. Simon Diamond is you. Yes, exactly. I've often been compared. Diamond points out that AJ Przinsky has hit one in four, and like if if one of my boys only won one once in four, I'd get rid of them. <laughs> it's an amazing bit. Yeah, and then there's a little brawl, and that sets up a six-man tag team match at the pay-per-view, which will be Dale Torborg, Chris Saban, and Sanjay <laughs> Dodd against the Diamonds. Of the amazing. Uh, like obviously, the aim of this is always to get on Sports Center. It's always to get some local publicity or national press, and it, it seems to have succeeded to a relatively decent extent here, where they they got publicity in USA Today, they got publicity. In, like local Chicago newspapers and the White Sox website and even on some CNN stuff. So. And um, AJ would talk about them on interviews. Yeah, like yeah, they even did like a media tour. You're right, yeah, where Torborg and uh, Prasinski did like an actual media tour to promote their pay-per-view appearance. So they seem to get some uh, like decent play out of it. Like even Prasinski said, I've always thought pro wrestling was amazing when they approached me with this opportunity. It was hard to say no. Being on Oprah was about as good as it gets, but this is right up here. So it's like, it's as good as Oprah. Prasinski famous? Um, Rich likes them. <laughs> so. Alright. We're definitely the two qualified to talk about this. Mm, like, he was on the team that won the World Series for the first time in 88 years, so that does elevate you a little bit. But, like, Hall of Fame guy or guy? Uh, well, Simon Diamond says he only hit one in four, so I think thumbs down for the Hall of Fame case based on the one fact yeah. I have from Simon Diamond. I'm gonna go to Wikipedia and see if he did anything horrific. <laughs> Has he been cancelled? That's always an important point. You're not wrong. Um, do you know about batting averages? It's that, That's what we're talking about. Oh, like, in general, I got, like, a career. No. A point two eight zero. Oh, so that's probably slightly better than point two five. So Simon Diamond slightly, ever so slightly lied to this me. This team's been on like 25 teams. Yeah, people generally become like journeymen and just go around. He's a two-time All-Star, mm-hmm. a World Series champion, and a Silver Slugger award. I love my sluggers. Personal life. No, I'm married to two kids. <laughs> oh, he's on a Raw. Boo! Traitor. He replaced Chris Jericho. Oh, he was in that. He did the Chris Jericho Price is Right segment. The, what, the greatest Raw segment of all time. <laughs> One of the rare good guest host moments. And he returns against Solod 2007. Yeah, they do another baseball. I, I Listen, he seems like a, a swell fellow. Mm. And he's... Well, he works for Fox, so... <laughs> <laughs> that does bring us to the pay-per-view in which the six-man tag, as we said, is saving Sanjay and Torborg as they defeat the, the Diamonds in the Rough in what I believe is the final, at least televised match. I mean, might have been Indies, but even cage match doesn't have anything else listed. So I, I believe it is the final match Bobby Heenan called in his career. Which is kind of like, what an interesting little little twist there. TNA, huh? The place where weird things happen. Yeah, it's one of those things about the TNA video library where like, you'd be like, Randy Savage's last match, Hogan's last match, uh, China's last match, stuff like that. And then you just like dig deeper and you're like, oh, it's the, the the last call by Bobby Heenan, you know, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, that's wild. And he gets to do it with Mike Tanay. It is a lovely moment. Like, Heenan gets a proper entrance. He's not just, he, he comes up with the baseball guys on TV, but here he gets, like, his own introduction. The crowd go nuts for him. There's the lovely moment where he's introduced with Tanay, and then he starts putting the headset down, and he's like, five bucks. <laughs> and Mike Tanay's like, fuck off. <laughs> he's, still got, he's still got, like, that charm about him. Yeah, there's there's a moment where, like, Tanay is like, we'll smart and west up sooner or later, won't we? And Heenan just completely deadpans, no. <laughs> I, 
I yeah, he like he's still got that charm that you that you won from Bobby Heenan. Mm, he's still sharper than most human beings. And he, like he is the sharpest man in the history of wrestling. By by far. Well, so much that everyone else bites his shit and does it bad. That's that's crazy to me that everyone thinks they can do Bobby Heenan. Because he is like a generational performer. Like the quickest wit in the history of this industry. And then you get like Corey Graves thinking he can do Bobby Heenan. Fuck off. Yeah. Um so Johnny Damon and Chris Widger are in the crowd. I think Johnny Damon is famous. I think he's a baseball guy. He, well, he's a baseball guy, but I think he's a famous baseball guy. All right, let me see what he's done. Uh, let me run through the matches. You do it. Saban okay, and Dutt are wearing white socks jerseys. Uh, Bobby puts over Mike today and Don West as well as TNA. And like, in fairness to Bobby, like he goes hard putting over TNA in this match as well. He's like, these are mm-hmm. athletes unlike I've ever seen in 10 years in wrestling. It's some of the best wrestling I've seen on TV in years and years. And specifically, like he's talking about the, like these guy, young guys can do things that other guys I've seen couldn't and like the putting put over <laughs> oh, no. the, like Sanjay and, and Dale or Sanjay and Dale Torby yeah he putting over the demon real he's putting Sanjay and saving over real real hard so like he, he does go that extra mile here to try and put over the, the actual young guys in the ring okay I got a lot on Johnny Damon what did Johnny Damon do a better player okay he won two world series mm-hmm. and was a two time all star and the AL stolen base leader in 2000 Whoa. he also appeared on Raw uh, in 2009 he hosted Raw that's what that extra World Series win gets you you don't get to appear you get to host he was a special guest at the Orange County Republican Party's Trump Defender Gala in 2019 <laughs> and was arrested in uh, Windermere Florida for driving while intoxicated and resisting an officer without violence fantastic and had a blood alcohol of 0.30 seems high uh, and body cam footage released by the police department showed David claiming that his arrest was part of being targeted because of his support of Trump. Oh, fuck <laughs> off, you cunt. <laughs> yeah, this guy sucks. Get out of here, Johnny Damon. Boo, what's Chris Widger? <laughs> <laughs> you a Trump guy? I'm sorry, but uh, I hate to keep mentioning WSW, but QTV Girl is main eventing this show? <laughs> mm-hmm. Naturally. What? She's Australian. Yeah, a lot of people are Australian. Who's she wrestling? Uh, I'll let you know when they enter the ring. It's probably Cassie, is it? Um, it's, it seems to be for a vacant title. There's been a lot of AEW guys wrestling Impact guys on this show. War. Shout out to TJP who just pinned Brian Cage in a three-way with Mike Bailey. <laughs> uh, this guy doesn't seem like a dickhead, at least. Mm. Ah, she's wrestling an Australian wrestler named Aisha, who I think is pretty solid. She was on the Impact shows, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's good. Mm. This is not the main event. Oh, there's a three-way? Jessica Troy's in this? Jessica Troy's also good. Wait, is that Cassie? I can't tell if this is Cassie or not. <laughs> it is. She's got a rock in here. She's in V-Triggers and Fishermans. <laughs> Goddamn. There's a moment in this match where Skipper tries to do this, the, like, snapmare deal where you, like, lift yourself up in the air and come back down and pull them over into a snapmare, except when he's up in the air, he falls on his head. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And this is moments, this is moments after uh, Bobby is like, these are wrestlers unlike I've ever seen. <laughs> Skipper just lands on his head. Yeah. But yeah, the finish is Heenan gets up from the desk and distracts tracks the referee, allowing AJ Pruszynski to get the home plate from Johnny Damon. Who is the home plate lead stealer. Ah, it all adds up. And he hits Simon Diamond with it. Cradle shock, Hindu press, as Dot and Saban 
then pick up the win and present AJ and Dale Torborg with TNA Championship rings, which, as we revealed exclusively on the You've Got to Be Kidding Me Twitter account, AJ Prasinski still has. Can we can add news to our Patreon uh, bio now. <laughs> yeah, $5 tier for the, the, the breaking TNA news. But yeah. Can we do that? Can we make that post? <laughs> AJ Prasinski does, in fact, still have his TNA Championship ring. And as, as Bobby Heaton was presenting that to him, he started like biting on them to check the authenticity. Which is a good fit. Because he was going to steal them. Oh, he is a weasel. I think Cassie won. Fair play. And then she got attacked by some lady. Steph Delander. <laughs> no, she's broken her arm. Oh. She went through a table bad. Oh. It's some other lady that I've never seen in my life, but she laid out Cassie. The big story regarding Turning Point was TNA getting its most mainstream publicity in its history with an angle put together by Mike Tanay that brought AJ Krasinski of World oh, Champion. Johnny Fairplay muttered. Honestly, like, listen, this is Dave talking about his buddy. Mike Tanay put together an angle and he puts over the, the angle for the amount of publicity. He goes, uh, the Tennessee <laughs> Titans one probably got more publicity. but Definitely. An old mate who, like, came in and beat up... What's his face? Uh, Brian Erlacher. Yeah. Did you mean Brian Erlacher? Yeah, yeah, Chris Rock? Ma- that one didn't do it. <laughs> Let's not pretend. This got TNA covered ahead of time in CNN, ESPN's Cold Pizza, on two SBN talk shows and throughout Chicago media, as well as covered in USA Today. And then they eventually got a, a an article in Sports Illustrated, which included some quotes, uh, a reference to AJ Styles. So everything going pretty well. Uh, Simon Diamond, like, apparently talked about how, like, one of the best moments of his career was just reading his name written in Sports Illustrated, which is nice. I hope he has that magazine. Mm. Tanae came up with the idea of having him to appear at the show simply to meet AJ Styles and exchange gifts. So it's like AJ meeting AJ because they started calling him the phenomenal AJ Brzezinski in the run-up to winning the World Series. That's really funny. So Tanae, who's a big baseball fan and knows both White Sox owner Eddie Einhorn, who is a former wrestling promoter who has been an observer reader for more than two decades as Dave pats himself on the back. (laughs) That's awesome, actually, though. There's a lot of wrestling connections in the White Sox. (laughs) Yeah, minor league strength coach Dale Torborg, who, of course, was the kiss When they won. Makes you think. Yeah, you got wrestlers in your baseball team and suddenly you win. So he's able to put together the first of a series of cross-promotional ideas between TNA and the White Sox with more ideas floated next season. It ended up being very controversial internally with the belief that it was going to be a flop, an embarrassing flop by many, <laughs> including those in creative. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Tanae, which I think was like the real smart move, as I said, used his longtime friendship with Bobby Heenan as a safety valve, knowing the live crowd in Orlando might crap on the baseball, but they'd love Heenan. So they'd put a, like, Heenan would guarantee that the angles would go smoothly and get a good reaction which is really really smart and like Heenan obviously a Chicago guy so it like ties together this is a lot there's a lot about this this is an intricate <laughs> like thing that Mike Tanay pulled off nobody expected the angle to help ratings or add buys but simply garner publicity and it did just that and created some media context and put TNA in front of people that it otherwise wouldn't have and gave a story to a usually throwaway diamonds in the rough pay-per-view match so everyone was like good job and part of the success people attribute to the hiring of Ross Foreman as uh, head of publicity who is still Still doing that job to this day in 2023. Uh, the finish was then played on Sports Center the next day as one of the plays of the day and mentioned throughout Chicago media as well as requested by CNN, C- uh, CBS, and ABC. So it's one of the the better publicity stunts, getting more publicity than Erlacher and Johnny Fairplay. Though I would say the Tennessee Titans stuff probably blew up a little more because it, it felt more. I think the, the Titans stuff felt more spontaneous, I guess, which is the reason that kind of blew mm-hmm. up. It was apparently originally written for Demore and Team Canada, but they had no interest in doing it, so it went to the Diamonds and the Rough instead. And apparently, like Di- Simon Diamond's a big baseball fan. So I think that worked. <laughs> Team Canada, like, yeah, sorry, we got to put over four LK. <laughs> We've got something much more important going on. Hey, maybe that means that Demore is the one shitting on the idea. <laughs> he hates baseball. He's like, if it was a hockey team, <laughs> yeah, if it was a Canadian sport, we'd do it. All right, we've got to, we got to do Jarrett Rhino. Yeah, because four LK gets the fuck shitter. 
I mean, not much happened. <laughs> it's more interesting because, like, the behind-the-scenes things with the Rhino. We're TMZ now. Mm. So, November 19th, Rhino beat Abyss. We've already talked about that match. And then Larry booked the Rhino and Jared match for Turning Point. We then had, like, a series of Rhino vignettes through the week that we'll talk about all at once. They were set to a song called Caught in the Moment by a band called Broken Yoke. <laughs> Again, me searching yeah. Spotify for these uh, these song titles in the show notes. The most important thing I'm doing in the show notes at $1 tier, Patreon, tnhad.com. You know, if you need him. So like, they, they go through, like, the, the narrative of Rhino's last few months of his career, where, like, he was fired by the WWE for an incident in WrestleMania weekend where he got into a, a an argument with his wife in a hotel room in the hotel lobby on, uh, I think, the night of WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania weekend. I think it was the WrestleMania after party, in fact. Didn't he beat the shit out of a plant? Yeah, he smashed, like, a plant pot. It was a scene. And, like, for all the things that people got fired for in wrestling, I guess it's WrestleMania weekend where there's, like, like a bigger magnifying glass on everything, but that seems relatively tame for being fired. Yeah, you can fuck up a private jet, but God forbid the after party. Yeah, like Rhino still worked one night stand after that, but obviously he was fired, he jumped to TNA. So like they, they go through that where like the whole thing is like Rhino taking accountability for that. It's like, I made mistakes, I understand I made mistakes, and that was all my bad. I'm improving, I'm getting better, I'm growing. Uh, and you know, I've worked my way back, I've rebuilt my career here in TNA, and I won the NWA title, but then Jeff Jarrett took that from me and I'm gonna take it back at turning point. That's like the crux of the features. And they're like uh-huh. they're like nice little features for what they are, but they're not really a, a main event world title program push, are they? I think it would have been better to have him on the show personally they're the thing you do the month before you go into the main event world title program you re-establish the character then he starts picking up wins in moments. yeah this is like the beginning of that as opposed to like they're doing this after he has already lost the belt in the build-up to the rematch Uh, so that's most of what Rhino's doing. Other than the Abyss match, he's then not really on TV other than those quick, like, one-minute features every week. So Jarrett starts, like, pivoting off into Christian, basically. It's so weird. Jarrett main events the November 26th episode against Kip James. Yeah, the big thing there is the debut of Jackie Gator. <laughs> And the big thing, alright. So Jackie Gata comes out, and Jarrett's like, what the hell's going on here? What are you doing here? She goes straight for Gale, so there's something between Jackie and Gale. Everyone's to fuck Jeff Jarrett, because <laughs> he's the hottest, sexiest, most charismatic man of all time. Listen, if he had Jeff's charisma, that might be true. Hardy. And also his looks. Mm. If he was Jeff Hardy, that might be true. <laughs> so Jarrett repeatedly shouts, that's not what you think. He shouts at her to leave and pushes her. Then she slaps him and brawls with Gale as security separates them. Jarrett still wins the match, <laughs> even with all that distraction. Yeah. That's more Trio K family drama side of it, though. Uh, Jarrett comes out the next show, December 3rd, in which he's doing his big promo. It's like, his Rhino, is everything was his fault. He sucks. Why are we doing videos on him? He sucks. This is the latest part of the conspiracy to take the belt off me look at all the company is putting behind rhino they're trying to build his image so he can take the bell from all that kind of stuff i like the idea that vignettes are going to help someone win a match is they're they're establishing the narrative you see because wrestling's fake Mm. Uh, he talks about how Gale won't return his calls because Jackie Gata showed up as the crowd chants boring. <laughs> yeah, the crowd does not give a shit. Uh, and why would they? It's Jackie Gata. Hey, we did a career retrospective. It was riveting. Excuse me, I did a career <laughs> retrospective. <laughs> Tanae inquires about what was behind the slap and Jarrett gets like deathly serious and he's like, never ever go there again. <laughs> Tanae's kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, all right, okay. I've done worse to you. Why are you really mad here? He's like, I don't really care that much, to be honest. Uh, Christian comes out. Christian's like, I'm not the flavor of the month. I'm Captain Charisma, you silly bastard. <laughs> Great bit. Yeah, he's bored of Jarrett's as all he's contributed to Tina's success is a couple of broken guitars and a bunch of bad haircuts. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's coming for the winner of Jarrett and Rhino after he's done with Monty. Jarrett invites Christian down to the ring. Christian teases leaving, turns around, brawls. Christian goes for the unprettier, but Jarrett bails. Rude hits the Northern Larry on Christian to set up their TV match next week. Jackie Gaeta comes back out, shouts at Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett pushes her, so she slaps him again. Same thing as last week. Security separates everybody as AMW wants answers from Jarrett about Jackie, Christian, and Rude brawl. Uh-huh. Yeah, riveting stuff with Jackie Gator, who gets more TV Sensor time this month than Rhino. <laughs> something. Maybe Jackie Gator is Raven's new girlfriend. <laughs> that would add up. Uh, opener of the primetime special is AMW and Jared against the Naturals. Harry, we already talked about that match in which uh, they put Andy Douglas through a table. Some brawling. There is a moment uh-huh. in that match where they tease for ages. Like, Douglas and Harris are on the, the, the top of the ramp, teasing doing cool moves off of the ramp. So they're like, well, I'm going to catatonic him off the stage, and we're going to do all this stuff. And then he just kind of boots him off, and he falls. Uh-huh. But, by the way, this is Chase's first match back after breaking his neck. I would have just retired. <laughs> he was only out for, like, three weeks. <laughs> Should have just retired. <laughs> Three weeks is not enough time to recover from neck breaking. <laughs> you should really be out for longer. Turning point, there is a show running story, of course, where like the the the, the <laughs> mention that that uh there the 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 face of TNA will change forever in two thousand six. So we have the same thing we always do with Jarrett going to like fifteen different people backstage being like, You hear about what they said? What do they say? What's that about? This thing is uh James Storm littering. <laughs> he just throws that bottle as they arrive. Yeah. Just drops it in a flower blade. That's great. They do want to do the point of contrast and that Jared arrives in a limo and Rhino arrives in a pickup truck. That's a very expensive pickup truck. Let's not pretend. <laughs> yeah, that's not a cheap vehicle. No, that is a gigantic big waste of money. In fact, largely more expensive than what I assume is a rented limo. Jared owns the limo. With the amount TNA use it, the bloody better. <laughs> Uh, Jarrett does the same thing with Monty later in the show. He does the same thing with Team Canada later in the show. Same conspiratorial stuff, uh, which does lead us to the main event in which Jarrett defeats Rhino to retain the NWA World And, Cup. you know, it's fine. <laughs> Again, as like as Jarrett crowd brawling matches go, it was one of the more okay ones. I think it like, went three and a quarter. Like, yeah, it's, it's all right. Jarrett bleeds. But like, it also followed like the best match in company history. This best singles match in company history. So that, that sucks for them. <laughs> yeah, they're going out there right after Styles and Joe. And like, as you said, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good for what it is. There's some cool spots. It's not the worst Jeff Jarrett pay-per-view title match. No, easily not. We still like that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the DDP one. Yeah. Oh, there's been a lot of bad Jeff Jarrett. Huh? <laughs> Shocking development. And it's better than the last Jarrett Rhino pay-per-view match. They roll up to the t- like the camera stand on some scaffolding as as Jarrett knocks Rhino off through a table. They set up in like the cool spot in the match. They set up. They teased this last month and didn't do it. But they set up a table like covering the front of the entrance tunnel, and then Rhino gores Jarrett through the table down the tunnel and the table doesn't even break like the table slides down the tunnel with them it's a cool looking spot and that that also sets up a, a like a, a spot after that where like Jarrett gets back to the ring because Team Canada come out and help him back to the ring and they do this like big dramatic 10 count it's like oh if, if Rhino can't get back to the ring he loses Jarrett retains by count out and like they get to nine and Rhino just charges into the ring straight into his like his big comeback and like it's a cool moment there's, there's bits there's bits in this yeah but it's a Jarrett match so we get nonsense so Team Canada are all over the place Rudy's bumped Rhino gores A1 but gets caught with the Northern Larry but Rhino kicks out Jarrett hits him with a guitar but Rhino kicks out Jackie Gator shows up slaps Jarrett Jarrett turns right into a gore but Jarrett kicks out like Don is counting along and he's like yes and then when Jarrett kicks out he's like oh come <laughs> on <laughs> Don is all of us uh, when he realized Jarrett didn't lose Jarrett hits a middle rope stroke onto two chairs to retain after Demore hit Rhino in the back with a hockey stick he's loving the middle rope stroke lately. He beat Chris Sabin with it last month. He's, he's loving it. Uh, the lights go out. It is not Sabu. Oh God. It's... It's... 
Sabu. It's, <laughs> it's Sabu. <laughs> That'd be sick. Uh, it's Sting. Uh, they're a series of scorpions. <laughs> it's, 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 it's Sting. It's Sting. The Todd Grisham delivery. It's Sting. It's it's the stuff associated with Sting. <laughs> yeah, so there's a spotlight in the middle of the ring on a chair upon which <laughs> they take so long to see. Yeah, there's it's ages. So yeah, the, the, you see the jacket, the boots, and the bat in the middle of the ring, and Jarrett and Devore are still like looking around, being like, "What? What could it be? What could it be? What could these scorpions mean?" <laughs> Before they finally turn and see Sting's gear in the ring, and Jarrett is shook. His core. As Jared is still your NWA world champion. And we end the show. I guess not as we always mm-hmm. end the show. Because it's not 3LK family drama, Liam. No. It's 4LK family drama. Oh my god, beware. So, November 19th Impact. We start with a feature on 3LK. They run through the history of the family drama, which has been running since February. Don't we know it? The franchise then has 3LK backstage. BG has been granted time to address 3 Live Crew's future next week. Thank god. I was wondering. You really want to know what's happening in the, the 3 Live Crew land. Uh, Truth is mad because like, why did Franchise know about this but I didn't? Which is a like a little bit that is not acknowledged. And then Conan is even madder because he's like, one, he says the line, have you been painting in an unventilated room? Maybe you need to go back to rehab. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> Amazing. Cuts a little deep. Uh, and then he's like, why next week? What's with the cliffhanger? Just tell us right like now. That, in that thing, Truth's like, come on. <laughs> oh yeah, Truth is like, yeah, dude, dude, dude. What the fuck? That's, that's unnecessary. Kind of like, I'm sorry. Mm. On the November 26th impact, Trail K and Kip James come to the ring. BG loves everybody. And the crowd's like, aww. <laughs> aww. Conan accuses Kip of always attaching himself to a hot act. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That might be an acclaimed suggestion there by Conan. BG is wearing a Kip shirt, I think, which may send the wrong message to his other two buddies. I would have wouldn't have worn a Kip James shirt to this particular meeting. Whatever. So BG basically issues an ultimatum. He wants an up and down vote from the other two members of Tree LK about whether or not Kip can join their family. Truth says he never doubted BG and votes yes. He's like, I just wanted to be straight with you, and you're now straight with me. So thumbs up. He's in. Conan is Conan. <laughs> so he's just like, what the fuck? No, no, no. Uh, BG kind of cuts them off as like have I ever given you a reason not to trust me and it's like well he has but <laughs> yeah when he hit you with that chair mm, um, twice he just wants one more he wants a yay from Conan he wants him to trust them one more time the crowd actually chant nay they don't want Conan to do this of course why would they this sucks Conan does though vote yay he welcomes Kip James Shock of all shocks. And we now officially have the four life. Can't wait for the remix theme song. This run's going to be iconic. Yeah, they're going to go hard on this one because they know this is going to be the longest lasting stable in TNA history. Uh Get the t-shirts ready. Main event of that show is Jarrett and Kip. Team Canada interfere to allow Jarrett to win 4LK make the save. It's basically the crux of it there. Just 4LK guys. (laughs) So next week's impact, we go backstage. Bullet Bob Armstrong is here. It's it's a (laughs) 5LK. So he's backstage and he's like, I am so happy. That all of you are together. Like, united you stand, divided you fall, but you're together. And I love you, Conan. I love you, Kip. I love you, Truth. And I guess I love you, son. (laughs) You'll face Team Canada at turning point in an eight-man tag team match. He is very proud of his boys. They have come together. They have overcome adversity. Helvis and Sin face the four live crew of Conan and Kip James on 
the go home impact the primetime special uh, it's basically a squash match to show they're on the same page my favorite part of it is after they win they cut to bob armstrong at the top of the ramp who just like gives them a hearty thumbs up he's happy to see his boys together <laughs> again it should be the five elker when they're hitting the catchphrases at the start bg hits the not one oh my God. not two not three it's... and you would think he would go but four but he adds another line after that to throw the crowd completely off it's like you are the crowd hates you it. are not a professional here <laughs> sir it's, it's really bad uh but yeah the squash uh, rolling thunder one and only to kill us on rise for the win which does bring us to the pay-per-view in which great we have a backstage segment before LK. BG's like, 2006 will be the year of Familia. And as Conan says something in Spanish for his Latin people, and I, I, I almost, I forgot, I was going to try and ask Twitter to like translate it, because I presume it's probably like some foreshadowing bit that he dropped. Like, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> yeah, he said something probably to the extent of, yeah, I am going to smash this man in the head with a chair. Um, but I, I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know. You should learn. Which does bring us to the eight-man tag. It is the three live crew versus Team Canada. Give me all your takes. It's kind of, it's fun. That's one take. What's your next uh, take? BG does the full life crew intro, but <laughs> introduces another line before the full life crew part and throws everyone off. Kip hits Bobby with a famous uh, Ewo brings chair, but Conan intercepts. Conan then brains Kip with the chair, allowing Rude to pin him. BG shouts at Conan as Truth tries to calm everybody. Conan then hits BG with the chair. Truth looks shocked. Truth is like, you're going to hit me next, but Conan's like, nah, bro, you're cool. Hugs and invites Truth to leave with him. Truth declines. Which is after months and months and months, some might say. <laughs> In years, decades. <laughs> to throw shade at Dave Meltzer again. <laughs> a note in the Observer, if you've been watching consist- uh, consistently, this angle took too long. But for 75% of the audience that is really new, they were two months minimum too fast in this doing this turn. I get your point, but no, they weren't because this sucks. Shut up. I thought the turn was good because Conan hit a dude in the head with a chair. <laughs> yep. And I appreciate how like BG tried to talk him down and he also just killed BG with the chair. He's like, screw both you guys. It's 1am, I'm not talking about this. No, talk more. How do you feel about truth? Which side should truth go with? If you were no, more importantly, if you were on the truth killing, who would you go uh, with? Truth. Oh, the, the truth is a for truth. He's like standalone. He's moving on, yeah. doing his own thing. Launch the truth commission. We would be one a.m. If also, if you didn't play it like half an hour of Pokemon before we started, how about you shut up? Never. I'm a white man with a podcast. I'm incapable of shutting up. God, it's the most powerful combination known to <laughs> mankind. It is nice though to uh, like finally get some fucking development in this goddamn shitty three life crew angle. Though the downside is I don't want to see any of the matches coming out of this shitty three life crew angle. That's... I mean, maybe like Ron and Conan. As a team or against each yes. other? Yes. Because apparently the plan was still to do Ron and Hardy as a team, but obviously Hardy is gone. Sure. So that is December 2005. We have covered it extensively. How do you feel? Good pay-per-view month. Decent TV month, but not special. But a good pay-per-view month. It was alright. What are you eating? Nothing, bro. <laughs> We will be back with our final resolution episode in uh, in a while. Whenever we're back with it, no, we'll you be say actual things. We'll be back next. No, it was a fine month. No, no, you're done. Baby no, view. you're done. You decided to scoff a cookie in your mouth. You get no more thoughts. It's so dry. You will spend 15 minutes trying to clear that out of your mouth. I don't have any more liquid either. Bold. I did just a bit. 
and can't be mad if it's a bit. We will be back with the final resolution 2006 episode with the arrival of Sting. So that'll be our next episode. We'll be back next week on Patreon with a, a brand new episode of Tuesday War Games covering AEW and NXT going head to head next week. We'll also be coming Wild. up with another episode of Rain Takers and another episode of the Lucha Underground show. Gift of the Pods <laughs> coming your way to Patreon.com. So you're going to just like ignore the name me or TNAChad.com next in the next while. All that coming your way. Uh, I would never ignore the names of our shows, Liam. It's not that I can't remember them. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at TNA History Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. You can follow Liam on Twitter at the Gleet Muda. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, but you've got to be kidding me and on TikTok at TNA History. Thanks for listening and bye bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.